0: I'll measure fourteen. This one, right there. Okay, right there. Okay, go to it now. That's it.
1: Welcome back to Wiseman Podcast. I am your host, Sean Glynis, and I'm here with my co-host, Arlen Golden. How are you doing, Arlen?
2: I'm fine, Sean, but how are you? Uh, I've seen better days. Um, Yeah, uh, I'm a
1: little uh, hamstrung. I've been um, sitting in my house injured from an ankle injury from playing basketball and uh also got COVID after that, so double it, whammy. Double whammy. Multi
2: handicapped.
1: Yes, exactly. So we'll get into it, but <laughs> yeah.
2: The, yeah, you know the the uh scientists down at the C D C they were working on a theory that a rigorous auteurist documentary podcast was the antidote to COVID, but I uh, unfortunately unfortunately the past two episodes have proven them wrong
1: yeah that's true yeah yeah that is a one-two punch for us
2: for real um maybe maybe i gave it to you over <laughs> over the internet yeah.
1: yeah maybe um okay well so we're we're talking about wiseman's deaf and blind series his 1986 series some of the dates on this like depending on where you look are pretty funny yeah but um yeah. Um, this is a, a series that takes place at the uh, Alabama Institute for the deaf and blind in Talladega, um, which was founded two years before the civil war began. Um, and uh, mm. even though they, they, he made them and produced them in, in 1986. Um, they sh- were shown in various places in 1987 and 1988, mm-hmm. uh, like film fests and TV respectively. So um by the time people were seeing these films, it marked a 20 years of Wiseman's career. We see that in a lot of the stuff like, uh, Wiseman's been working for 20 years. Um, but it it is, uh, um, interesting to see that 20 years on from Titticut Follies, he, um, is looking at people with disabilities.
2: True. yeah. 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 It um, he shot all these films together in the fall of 84. I think uh, the theatrical premiere was at London Film Fest in 86. Um, and then it, it looked like at the end of 87, there was a uh, screening at Film Forum that I think uh, we, we see some critics uh, New York engaging with uh, before... It aired on PBS the following year, and um, it it seemed like this was kind of being being touted as this kind of like television event
3: mm-hmm. of
2: uh, I think it was like Blind and Deaf were back to back on Friday and Saturday, and then uh, Multi Handicap and Adjustment and Work the following Friday and Saturday, um, something yeah. something like that. Um, but like
1: they're pretty uh, late. I'll, in the evening at least when they were showing yeah
2: yeah i was i was reading i think he had to push back against like even worse programming slots from pbs uh we're trying to i think also the films
1: push back against the improper ordering of them
2: as well yeah oh yeah i should um uh Shout out our former guest, Alyssa Heflin. I think she did some work to set the order straight on like oh, Letterbox yeah. and yeah. Wikipedia. Uh, she did some yeah, research it's very, on that.
1: Very helpful now on Letterboxd. It has like at the top of the description like part one in the series, part two in the series, which is cool because before they were all over the place. Yeah. Um, but he initially went to Talladega to, to make one film about the whole place and, and very quickly found out that uh that wasn't true he this quote is from him after a couple days there i decided i really had to make four movies so i spent time shooting in all four places and then edited for a while then came back for another 10 days to fill in the holes that i identified as a consequence of editing and um blind received one vote in the 2012 uh sight and sound poll <laughs> um it got a vote from, from Miranda July, um, right. the uh, filmmaker, artist, uh, author. Um, and it's funny because even her mention, it, it's it's kind of a loose uh, listing of stuff that she has like some memories of, but uh, she cites it uh, for the uh, Jason walking in the hallways scene. It's mm-hmm. just like the cinematic memory that has really stuck with her.
2: Yeah that that you know uh, as we'll talk about is brought up in pretty much every writing on this film um and you know for good reason it's it's a, a pantheon scene um a very captivating moment of cinema um but yeah it, it i think you know the uh, aura of that sequence looms large and like everyone's sort of overall appraisal of the film. You know, I think, I think it, it, uh, overshadows some of the maybe more, uh, ambiguous or, or complicated, uh, moments later on in the film. Cause it comes so early and it's just like such <laughs> a wonder, uh, that you're just sort of left there, like feeling the reverberations of it for the next hour and a half. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah. it's, it's great. It's worthwhile. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, we talk a lot about that scene with our, our guest, uh, Jeff Griffith Purim, but, um, but yeah, that was something that really struck with me. It struck me the first time as just being like, why did, why is this so early? But then you kind of mm-hmm. understand the structure, uh, as mm-hmm. it goes, goes along. Uh,
3: um, and
2: the sort sort of sandwich between two other similar scenes with other students. Um, uh, Charlotte comes after and, uh, the boys before his name is slipping me now. Um, slipping my Chris Clark. Chris, yeah, thank you. Um, and they both foreshadow another scene. We'll get um, later in the series an adjustment of work with an adult doing something very similar, like wow. out on a city block. Um, so, so this will be some some uh, consistency through the series.
1: So, um, a couple of technical things. Um, this is shot. The whole series is shot in color. Um, and, uh, he, so we're back in color after the brief, uh, racetrack black and white stuff. Um, but he said that he made, uh, the films in color because color was absent from the lives of the students. Um, so color is a character in a sense in these movies, he says, um, he, he's found saying that quite a bit, um, which makes sense. And, red uh, stand
2: up, green, sit down.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It becomes very obvious why it's shot in color pretty early in very evocative ways. Um, and it's also in the South, obviously, as we said, like mm-hmm. Talladega, Alabama. Um, and, uh, we you know, we're, we're presented with like this Southern city social life. Um, and, uh, I think Robert Coles talks in his book about like the racial stratification that you see with the homes right mm-hmm. away. Um, but, uh, it, the film also includes a lot of like various leisures um, and uh, like the opening racetrack scene, which is, you know, very uh, southern uh, milieu. But I, th- I think it's fair to say that this is a different south than the one we last saw with Wiseman in Dallas, uh, which mm-hmm. felt felt like it was trying to bloom into like this new money consumerism
2: cosmopolitan kind yes of thing. Yeah.
1: yeah i was trying to approach a cosmopolitanism at least in the, in the store so uh we're back in the south but it's a different um different south
2: yeah, and i think um you know i hope this isn't like reductive but i th- I did think it was very cute how all the little kids have these thick southern accents um oh yeah spe- especially jason
1: there's so many good sound bites um throughout, just like great Southern draws and pronunciations. It's, it's really, really fun to listen to. For sure. Um, so I, I did want to talk a little bit up front about this, uh, sort of academic discourse of Wiseman that was happening in the eighties, um, around this time. I found this, uh, this 1984 teaching newsletter. Um, it was, uh, a collection of ideas and articles related to teaching sociology. It was just this like newsletter that you subscribe to for like seven bucks, which seemed like a lot in 1984 for, for what this was. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, but this professor in this one issue in 1984, uh, Patrick Donnelly, um, along with a few different instructors used, he, he's talking about how they used seven, seven different Wiseman films in, in an undergrad course uh, the course was on modern social problems, um, and he used the films to discuss like problematic features of institutions. Um, you know, obviously, the institutions that were featured in the films, and they did kind of the ones that you would expect, uh, like through through welfare. Um, so you know they looked at uh, poverty and racism and criminal justice system and like sex roles and the education system and mental. Uh, disorders um, and which the class sounds pretty cool honestly but um, uh, each section had sociology profs from the respective area of study as well as professionals who worked in those areas um, kind mm-hmm. of come in and, and have these discussions with students um, in a way that like I said it just sounds cool um, and in 1985 um, there's this article by this uh sociologist, academic, um, Timothy John Curry. And he, it's kind of like a, a it's basically like a direct response to this newsletter, mm. um, saying that like, if you're going to use his work, it's not like confrontational, but, um, just kind of like trying to build, um, meaning and, and like, uh, a, uh, paradigm for, for teaching. Um, but his whole thing is like saying like, if you're going to use his work as like a pedagogical tool, that you should like make sure that you're fully considering like what Wiseman's films are doing, like how he's making them. And he kind of breaks down this methodology, Mm -hmm. like talks about what reality, reality fiction means. Um, and talks a lot about the stuff that we talk about, like this, like, um, paradox of archival truth and social sociological importance, but also like Wiseman's personal perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of comes down on the subject saying that uh Wiseman's lack of research and like personal arrangement make them flawed um pedagogical mm-hmm. tools, which makes sense. Like mm-hmm. he says more that they're like great to give like context, like important context and an in, in inquir- inquiry to um sociological issues, um, which is probably what the what they're actually doing, more than being like this is empirical evidence, right? Mm-hmm. Um so I, I just bring this up to consider in regard to his status at this time, you know, like winning broadcast awards and the MacArthur Grant and being called this important documentarian and then also being considered in this like non-film non related academic circles.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the, the common lay sort of like engagement with his work is very like, you know, w- w- the institution you know what is it doing you know what's its purpose you know it's it's sort of like uh Snyder and Mitchell uh, the visual Foucauldian uh piece about this series is you know it's not really talking about Weisman in like cinematic or aesthetic or you know um uh, sort of like thematic terms it's mm-hmm. it's engaging with you know the the subject and the topics the of the pictures films. of disability right you know and and this seems to be pretty common with uh, what we hear from, like, Q&As, you know, I, I remember uh, Robert Green telling us about the guy who was, like, on him about, like, public housing policy in the 90s, you know, or uh, things of that nature that, you know, his interest is probably pretty limited, um, to, you know, to what you're saying. He's not doing research going in. He's not uh, gathering all this information and presenting it to us in, in a way that's, like, uh, you know informational um he's he's yeah. doing it in a way that's impressionistic
1: yeah well uh, i was also going to say and i kind of mentioned this um later with uh our guest but um mamber talked with us about just in terms of like considering where he was in this moment talked about how few people came to to see his his mm-hmm. uh, this series at the la film fest and they had like 10 people or whatever um but what i was really struck with Um, from Mamber's account of, of that experience was just like how much, um, how much time. And this is also stuck with, with Mamber, uh, too over the years, but like how much time he was willing to give the people who came, like, even though he was considered this like genius and, um, this important, uh, filmmaker. And he's just sitting there with like eight to 10 people, and at this big film fest and like giving them like all of the attention that they are asking him for and um and just kind of like going above and beyond and like meeting with faculty outside of that uh to talk about his films and stuff and just this kind of like um this like rigor about the work um that is not uh very showbiz i guess
2: yeah, well, you know, LA Film Festival, too, probably was programmed against, you know, some like sexier uh, Hollywood fair. Um, but, like, you know, I think, I think from Amber's recollection, it, it sounds like he was not uh, bothered, you know, or no less engaged than he would have been with a full house. You know, he mm-hmm. uh, uh, was happy to to talk about these films and as he, you know, always seems to appreciate his, uh, people engaging with his work as, you know, any artist is. Um, but, you know, it's interesting, like, like, if he's not really getting that reception from sort of like, uh, passionate, cinephilic audience, um, and the academic audience is really engaging with him still on, like, you know, sort of like s- surface, uh, like issue oriented angle, than like, you know, th- th- kind of where we're at, or where Mamber might have been and, and some others, you know, uh, uh, wasn't really happening yet, it sounds like, you know, um, to a large degree. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I also wonder like how much of his films being on TV, like regularly, played into like this, just being like um, excited to be able to talk with people who show up physically because mm-hmm. that's not that's not really an opportunity that was really like there for him. I don't think as much, or at least like it was was different from like the usual like rollout of his films, which is like they go on they were going on TV, and then like he said like he heard he got phone calls and letters. Um, and then he could read the reviews in in the paper, but, um, but that's a different type of, of engagement with your work when you're actually like talking with, uh, people who are present, um, uh, for, you know, an hour or two after showings.
2: For sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think we, of course, owe debts of gratitude to, to Mamber and Gran and Anderson Benson, um, for, you know, recognizing, you know, the, the myriad interests in Weissman, you know, there's, there's all these angles you can approach him. Um, but like doing, doing so at this time where he's, he had, you know, exactly the sort of presentation you're talking about, uh, just like very, uh, ahead of the curve on, on all that.
1: Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, okay. So do you want to get into the, uh, contemporaneous reviews?
2: Sure. I mean, we gotta do get into stuff. Yeah.
1: We got to do it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Um,
2: Is this the most for any film yet that we found?
1: I think so. And it begs the question like, when are we going to have to cap this? Because, or like, find a different (laughs) way to engage with this? Because, like, at a certain point, it's just going to balloon. And, I mean, please email us and tell us, like, (laughs) if you want to keep this section as it is. Well, it's it's
2: interesting, too. You know, we get. I think no, at least three from the New York times. Right. And they're all different times, a you profile, know,
1: but, but yeah,
2: one's, one's the profile and then one's for the film forum screening and then one's for the broadcast. Right. And it's like a film beat and a TV beat and like a, you know, arts beat. Um, so like, you know, just, just there in itself is a lot. Um, but again, speaking to the number of angles and as we'll talk about later with our guests, um, you know, the, what, what beats he's on or what beats the, the reviewers are on seem to be informing some, what his like overall reception and like conception of what he's doing. And we'll, you know, we, I mentioned, this is like kind of like a TV event, but like, this is the first time, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about like how he's, Places himself in opposition to dominant modes of filmmaking, um, but in that New Yorker or New York Times profile piece, he was specifically placing himself in opposition to like sitcoms and and other right, kinds of right. TV.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we can start with that one um, because I, I think it sets the table for a lot. Um, and yeah, so he's he's like he's eating sushi with Wiseman out at this restaurant and (laughs) he's talking about how like things were simpler 20 years ago and now he has
2: like, when he made titty cut follies. Yeah. yeah. So so simple.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, you get the sense that he's joking because he's talking about like you make a film and then, and then you change the world or something like that. And it's like, Uh, yeah, 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 funny. But, uh, the interview is by Paul Wilkes and Wilkes says that, um, all viewers could trim down some of his longer segments and the films could be more concise about their mention, uh, or about their message <laughs> to which Wiseman says, uh, I'm going to read a couple of quotes from this because they're just like his speak in it is, is just really worth it. But Wiseman says, <clears throat> life doesn't come in this neat little package where there's an ultimate triumph or failure. Most of life just keeps going on. And that's what I'm trying to show. If you can sum it up in 25 words or less, you should read those 25 words, not make a movie about it. I realize I am making demands of my viewers, but doesn't a good, fat novel do that? In an age of MTV and in inane sitcoms, shouldn't there be an alternative so you can actually think about what you're seeing on screen? I plunk the viewer down in the middle of a situation, and I show them, as well as I can, what I saw. I provide the raw material so the viewer can figure out his or her relationship to what is seen. It's condescending to make conclusions for people. Maybe they end up like I did after I made Deaf and Blind. I began to think about how I learned to tie my shoes or cross a street. I saw what an enormous effort it took that man in the fourth film, Adjustment Work, to learn how to fold a washcloth. A whole morning's work. I think about him every time I fold anything now.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, he's he's got a bunch of them in here. He's talked before about how, like, the institutions provide limits for him, and he says, otherwise it would be impossibly sprawling, you know, as if, like, th- this is the concise, you know, direct treatment yeah, right. for him, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, He, he has this other good quote. It, it's hard to kind of, like, understand what Wilkes is, is actually saying as opposed to what he's summarizing yeah. of what he's saying, but... Um, Wiseman responds to to him and says, um, I'm very poor at judging, judging Mm -hmm. what is dramatic or typical or especially instructive. I never know what people really take from my films. Maybe like me, they think of Alabama as the place where Bull Connor set the dogs on the civil rights demonstrators in the 1960s. Maybe like me, they see that the color barriers are down in this school. Maybe they see that religion plays an enormous part in the lives of the staff, that they really try to live out their beliefs. Maybe they see the demanding but caring community a school like this engenders. Everybody talks about community, but few are willing to do the work to make it happen. Maybe that's the bit somebody takes from the film. The viewers summon up their own experiences in relationship to what they see, sort it out, and have to deal with it. Or not.
2: Yeah, I love that. I'm I'm very poor at judging, you know, what's uh, typically instructive, but here are a bunch of things. (laughs) that are very instructive that anyone could take away from this you know he's kind of kind of given you a little cheat sheet there and yeah uh, would would be remiss also we've we've moved past elf and onto jewish choir boy <laughs> which was the weirdest description of like a, a over 50 year old man
1: also i think this one has a picture of him in it, and he doesn't look like a boy
2: <laughs> no yeah that that one at the edit bay right yeah uh, yeah and he's just like exhausted like <laughs> yeah. probably been in there all day at
1: that point uh but yeah these are just good quotes i wonder if he just caught him in a, in the right mood or the sushi was good and he just felt <laughs> or something but yeah um but they both speak to to the like incredible possibilities of his films and uh, if you're willing mm-hmm. to engage with them
2: and two i think you know Ret- retroactively, you know, like Model and and the store, you know, are like classics. um But it seemed like at the time, and also Racetrack, of course, like Racetrack actually seemed more to be better received at the time than like it's remembered. Um, yeah. But like, it really didn't seem like he was getting the sort of raves, universal acclaim, and like, uh you know, we've talked about people kind of thinking he was like jumping the shark or just kind of doing the same thing you know so like i think that uh he sort of had had something that was really resonating with critics uh you know was probably nice and and he was happy to like maybe indulge uh in conversation a little more because of that
1: yeah yeah for sure um and it, it, it also just kind of like sums up like how he's trying to make films that like uh hopefully like affect your consciousness and like your perspective on 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 life um like what that message is like is up to you kind of thing but uh mm-hmm. hopefully that these do like affect you um okay so there's we have our first um visit from Mr. Vincent Canby in the New York Times um who interestingly calls Wiseman's first 18 films highly personal documentaries. I thought that was interesting mm, because yeah. you you you're not always seeing that from from um these critics uh who, you know, think that they're either boring or like they're institutional but like use words that don't exactly uh intimate uh personal. Um but he he seems to have a decent understanding of um of what he's doing here and and he mentions that the the administrators you know who are frustrated with children who seem like defenseless and and he he, he actually talks about the spanking which not m- many people do yeah. yeah yeah he
3: um
2: calls calls it you know we'll we'll see the sentiment across the reviews but his word for it is the most benign of his films to date as if it's it's not sort of like a, a visceral or like uh kind of prodding sort of uh thing um, but like like, you know, you'll, you'll get that all across the board is like uh, it's kind of a sensibility shift, uh, which, you know, we'll talk about later as, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's truth to that. Maybe there's not. Um, but like that, that's, you know, at, in all of these contemporaneous reviews is, is the common thread.
1: He, yeah, and um, can be. I think it's in, it's interesting to note that he really glommed onto the uh, scene of the boy talking about his father.
0: They got divorced because he never stayed home. He was always out in the bar drinking, and that's the reason they got divorced after eleven years. Me and my brother's his son, and my mom's got two other children by another man that she was married to before him. And he's been remarried twice since they've been divorced in the last three or four years. And he's still not doing too much better. He, his wife now has another son. His name's Travis. And me and my brother go over there every two, Weeks and stay for that weekend, and we'd go. He don't break, he won't bring me back up here, and he won't come pick me up when it's his weekend. And he uh, don't pay enough child support. He only pays seventy-five a week.
1: This boy who's talking about his dad's uh, lack of presence and his issues, and he he says, canby thinks that that scene echoes over." uh, like the shots of middle America and like drive throughs in these burger malls and houses. Like that's the kind of thing that really sticks with him that like when he, when he sees those scenes, like this is happening in a lot of these places.
2: For sure. Yeah. And I, that scene wasn't talked about too much, but I think it, it was worth noting, um, that you could faintly hear a piano playing in the background, like from another room. And it's, um, the, that, that Christmas carol, like tidings and joy, uh, Yeah right? Like some, something about, you know, Jesus's birth and, you know, the manger and, and every you know, this family, right? Jesus and Joseph and Mary, uh, while the student is talking about, like, the dissolution of him and his dad and his mom, right? And, like, you know, as Weissman always does, just, like, F- manages to find these amazing like counterpoints uh, in mm-hmm. different ways um, that you know. I mean, you know, we we. I'm assuming that it was actually playing. I mean, he could have layered a soundscape, uh, but I, I don't think uh, that that's a style.
1: Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I didn't pick up on that. Um, <clears throat> so we 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 do get John J O'Connor back, who I think this is. I think the last time we heard yeah. from oh, welcome him, welcome back. He, he really liked Canal Zone, but thought that welfare was pointless. Um, <laughs> he, uh, focuses on blind here and, um, he brings up this, this Irish writer, Christopher Nolan, um, and talks about right. like his autobiography about his disabilities, which is called under the eye of the clock, which I had not heard of. Um,
3: All right.
1: yeah, but, uh, you know, he likes Jason and, uh, he he says that the watching these four films on successive nights is a little little too much to take in. Um, <laughs> and one of the things that comes up a lot that he does in in conjunction with that sentiment is that he calls it demanding. Uh, we see that a lot in yeah. these reviews. Is they're saying like, some people say it's rewarding, some people won't, but they'll just say like, this is demanding. Which, I mean, Wiseman, as we already mentioned, said that he knows that he's demanding a lot from his viewers, but...
2: Yeah, this this uh O'Connor review really also like gets at the whole kind of empathy machine thing that a lot of critics also sort of are uh gravitating towards, you know. It he says it makes you feel what it's like to be one of the teachers or administrators. Um uh sort of uh, we'll talk about later like duration and Davy's uh camera positioning and how how that Im- influences things. Um, you know, like the, the teachers have to get very low, uh, you know, to students' eye level um, to, to sort of uh, help them along, like in the cane, tra- cane training scene. But um, he also applies the same thing to the students. He says it helps us see and feel what it is like to be blind or deaf or multiply handicapped, um, which, you know, uh, I think is, you know, a, a win for right? It's like, you know, if you can, he's always sort of just, it's incredible how he's able to, uh, operate within these multiple perspectives and then oftentimes contradictory perspectives, but to, to include all of that and offer opportunities for identification with, Teachers, students, administrators, uh, people who are cited, people who are not—just uh, you know, just another great example of Fred doing his thing.
1: Well, I, I was moved even by like the one in one of the quotes I read where he's talking about like religion, something that we know he doesn't care about in his personal life, but says that these people are trying to li- really trying to live out their beliefs according to him, and that is like exactly what you're talking about, where he's like, it, it's not it's not always, a, even though these are about like his perspective or that's how they're arranged accordingly, but like he's also opening himself up to considering how other people live and mm-hmm. allowing you to do the same thing. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's not like, Oh my God, the, they're praying seriously. You, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta be kidding. You know, um, which you know it's easy to do uh that in in wiseman's films as viewers but um it's... well also
2: when you get someone as cute as jason doing his bedtime prayers oh my you god know, <laughs> you, you, you don't really care too
3: much
4: here let's say a prayer put your hands on your chin now while lay me down to, sleep.
3: down
4: to sleep i pray the lord pray, um, my soul to, take. Soul to take. god bless mommy and daddy. And, and daddy and sisters and brothers They mm-hmm. all got children uh,
3: be honest me. and true mm-hmm. Amen
4: mm-hmm. I love you mm-hmm. clip your toenails let me see
1: yeah and that scene also <laughs> is just like it I mean the religion part is a big part of it um, mm-hmm. but like a big part of it is just like this woman putting them to bed and like caring for them and, and saying yeah. good night and stuff. and Yeah. Anyway.
2: Yeah. I guess the, the, that's really the only instance we get of the, the dorm life, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it's referenced and alluded to throughout the film, but uh, Weissman's interests are mostly in the school um, or, or playgrounds. Um, not so much, you know, may, I, I don't know what goes on there. Weissman doesn't show us. Maybe they just, go there to sleep. Um, we don't know.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So we have the, the LA times review, which, um, he calls Wiseman the most brave, brilliant and innovative <laughs> documentarian working, uh, before saying that the first 10 minutes of, um, <laughs> blind will test viewers cause nothing happens. Um, he eventually says that Wiseman in the, in, in the racetrack sequence is just resetting your, you're like calibrate recalibrating audiences to slow mode or attentive mode. Uh, so we're ready for the real season to begin. Yeah.
2: Funny thing to say about a scene that takes place at a racetrack
1: (laughs) and, and, and we talk enough in the, in the second segment of this to, to like dispel that pretty obviously. For sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's it's loaded. Like I, I feel like Weissman really you know, I I remember when you and I were talking about like watching Sinai Field Mission, you know, and just like all the notes we were taking in that first 10 minutes where, you know, arguably, yeah, nothing happens, you know, it's a lot of establishment and like shots where you're not quite sure what the point is or what's going on, but like so much is happening, right? Like so much groundwork is being laid, certainly, but also just like, within the scenes you know there's like so much like meaning and and uh and just like importance um uh especially because you know like this is the only time that the students are not at the institute right so how can you say how how can you just kind of like turn turn off your analytic brain during that scene and you know it's 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 really rich uh yeah, opening. yeah it is yeah
1: um, he's also taken with the, a lot of the admin. Um, but, uh, then we have this, uh, WAPO Washington post, um, a review from Michael Kernan. Um, and he also mentions mentions Jason, uh, Jason's trip. Um, but he managed, he manages to say something pretty distinctive about it that I mentioned in the second part, but he talks about how much the return trip marks this as like a Frederick Wiseman film. Uh, getting to see Jason return to the classroom, which I would actually go further on the second time I watched it and talk about like how touched I was to not only see him return to the classroom, but like turn in the sheet to the stack of papers like in the the correct <laughs> space, and then also get rewarded uh, with this Pre-time. free time. Yeah, yeah the, like the whole thing is it just keeps going and it is just amazing. But um, but he he says that other documentarians are using like maybe may using like similar techniques from this sequence uh, or like, you know, handheld or like no commentary. But but only Wiseman has the artistic courage and the obsession to record life at its own pace, right. um, which is pretty high praise. Um, and he also talks about Wiseman like demanding patience.
2: Yeah, yeah. The I noted the the courage and obsession line too, and I mean just the piece we were just talking about at Atkinson and, and L.A. Times. You know, brave, innovative. It's like for whatever reason, people <laughs> are kind of bestowing Weissman with like this heroicism, right? Where he's just he's all he's doing is shooting, right? Like yeah, and, yeah. and letting things be, you know. And it's like uh, I like I kind of see what they're saying, but like I I think it also speaks to like just what what's being expected in a documentary film and like when they don't get that they're like whoa like wow like he's he's doing something so like courageous you know yeah
1: yeah well yeah for sure um and currently <laughs> i should also note that he mentions like the underside like the condescension and some bullying and frustration yeah. which um is key um, yeah I, one one
2: quote i'll just read mm-hmm. off real quick i liked from that piece was uh, weissman makes us watch but he refuses to allow us to be spectators safely removed from the subject via narrators he denies us the luxury of patronizing which i really appreciated but mm-hmm. also i felt you know a lot of the writing was a little bit patronizing uh, so maybe it did not not Kernan's but you know ac- across the board about oh, the film. Yeah, yeah. You right. know, so so it's just an interesting thing to note because I, I agree with Kernan that that uh Weissman is is trying to prevent us from doing that, but even still it seems seems like some uh didn't get the memo. Yeah.
1: So we have uh Clifford Terry in the Chicago Tribune. Um and this review, he's clearly just not familiar with Weissman's approach. And he's trying to make sense of, of his method. And, and I don't think he's too happy about it. Um, he says, well, Wiseman falls in line with the institution and viewers are unlikely to watch the whole series because they'll be so frustrated by questions. Wiseman doesn't answer.
2: Jeez. Uh, I, I don't know that I caught this one, uh, but it sounds bad. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all I have to say about it. Um,
1: it's funny to see that, but, um, so we have the Variety uh, article by Gordon Hitchens, who likes the film, but uh, just kind of lists stuff. This happens mm-hmm. a lot. And I, I don't yeah. think it's particular to Wiseman, but um, just kind of like lists stuff that exists in the film without really making any points. And then being like, and it's great, you know, um, yeah. he does talk briefly about like this lack of bigotry between blind students in, in this integrated school, but that's, that's about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty pretty surface uh, he says something similar to what we were just discussing uh, That the the film conveys admiration instead of pity um, so you know again we're, we're getting similar sentiments uh, across mm-hmm. the critical uh, writings
1: uh, Ken Tucker in the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, he talks about Jason um, and says like if you're not crying during the scene your heart is made <laughs> of know, cement yeah, right right <laughs> Um, and he, he says the, the warm heartedness is not what viewers may have come to expect from Wiseman, but, uh, but the film's not all rosy.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, this is kind of getting towards more of like the patronizing end of the spectrum. I thought, you know, it's, it's upbeat and inspirational. This is a place where educational miracles occur, where teachers <laughs> and students are heroic and it's like. Bro, these are just people, right? They're just yeah, like yeah, yeah. F- figuring it out, you know. It's like, I mean, I I, I don't want to be too down about this because, like, you know, like I
4: deserve to drink a water
3: for that, didn't I?
2: Like <laughs> that—that's like a triumph, you know. It's like I I I won't deny that, but I mean, there's there's this temp- temptation, like, uh, uh, throughout to, you know, especially in the like. placing it within Weissman's full body of work that like, it's like people had never seen a Weissman film before, you know? And it's, it's it's like, they're just, uh, uh, seeing, you know, all these, uh, uh, not minor, but, but personal, uh, achievements, uh, layered and repeated and thinking like, this is great. Isn't this great? Look at these kids achieving, you know?
1: Right. Right. For sure. Uh, we have Catherine Diekman in the village voice. Um, she says, uh, I, I kind of like this review. She says blind is worth the, the real time. It takes fascinating and surprisingly unoppressive. It is a forceful exploration of both systemic education and the nature of the documentary form. So like one of the only, maybe the only reviewer to really talk about it as like a, how it reflects documentary form. Right. Um, and, uh, she says, uh, questions about how the, the camera like affects subjects is, is which people like to bring up a lot is, is moot yeah. because they can't sense it. So she's also talking about the, the relationship between the filmmakers and the students. Um, just thinking like more deeply about this than, than most of these people are. And she also talks about uh, race relations.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, this, this was another review that was uh, for the film, film forum screening you know so so along with Canby, be uh, uh Catherine's on on the film beat right so she's mm-hmm. coming to this uh with a different perspective and and able to situate it situate the film within like documentary practice in a way that True. like the tv reviewers just like aren't interested in
1: i think she's maybe the only person to talk about the boil bake moment which i i really like that mm, scene. yeah
4: uh oh, girls, bad deal. You know what, what you did? <laughs> what? You turned the oven on brawl instead of bake. Bad oh, deal. I don't know who did that.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who did it? Right
2: yeah, that. It's easy to forget that scene because it comes late, and so much has happened, and uh, it's it's relatively brief, and it's also, I th- I feel like you tend to not remember like the high school students as much as like the little kids. Um, which, yeah. you know, is, is, isn't fair, um, because there's I, a lot of great moments with the older kids too.
1: I wish that there's a fifth film in the series called Home It's
2: just <laughs> oh, like all the, those classics. That could be good. Yeah. The, um, there's a great, uh, Home scene in, in, uh, Jeff Crean's, uh, doc 17. If anyone wants to seek that out. He, he has a co-director too. Uh, I, I forget his name. Apologies, um, in advance, but, uh, the, the um, it comes also with this l- kind of long shot of a student, like cleaning a table as oh, yeah, a, yeah. a teacher watches him and instructs him like, you know, up and down now side to side, you know? Right. And it, it's, um, just this really interesting, like, you know, you're, you're, starting to think about them more uh because they're older and because they're doing home ec as opposed to like you know sitting at the braille typewriter or you know doing u.s history or whatever uh you're starting to think about their lives more like what's to come for these students yeah, you know for sure and and like we're gonna get that more so in the rest of the series but i mean as the film kind of starts to wind down uh hinting towards towards what's to come like like uh it's just very satisfying to to be placed in this different headspace than than we had been at for most of what had come previously
1: Hmm. yeah true good point um, and the last um, <clears throat> the last review uh, that we have is from Arthur Unger in the Christian Science Monitor, and uh, he talks a lot about pace. Um, how he's been, how Wiseman has been criticized for his movies being too long, but um, but he, he says that uh, the films are the pace of Frederick Wiseman, and, and if you're watching one of his films, you should be open and willing to explore that to, to, to explore his pace. To, to see what he has to offer, which I appreciate. Um, he talks about the, the, um, Charlotte's like Kane segment, um, and talks about like the sense of discovery for the viewer rather than, uh, pity. Um, and he says, uh, the Wiseman documentaries demand a new category, experiential television. To miss them would be to miss peerless, if difficult examples of what what may have prove what may prove to be the most relevant and responsible art of this television area. Experience wise,
2: <laughs> I know, yeah, great, <laughs> great closing on it. I like that too. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's just like, it's true. Like this is a, a film about, like this is an experiential film.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's nice. You know, I, I we can tend to like uh wax poetic here sometimes and and just kind of get lost in our admiration so to see like someone writing that way uh too is, is nice from time to time um couple couple things i liked also just the idea of experimental tv uh, was something that uh is interesting, you know, again when people are seeing this as television versus film and um you know what experimental TV is like aside outside of public access, right? is like not a thing. Um yeah, so, right. you know. Um, sure. and then this this comment. Well, first he says, you know, Weissman is someone who treats film as an extension of his eyes and ears, you know, going back to Virtov, right? Um a very Vertavian idea and that uh, viewers must walk hand in hand with Weissman uh, which I noted is like much as uh, he is doing with the subjects and the subjects are doing with each other there's a lot of hand holding you know between students between teachers and students mm-hmm. um, and with Weissman and Davy and the, the people they're filming you know they're not literally holding their hands but they're right there alongside with them um, and it's just kind of a nice idea of, like, uh, Weissman leading us along, you know, uh, this this whole idea that everyone's talking about, about, like, kind of reorienting uh, the way we're engaging with what we're seeing and and the way we're seeing it all. And, and back to, you know, the New York Times piece, like, even going back, how, how did I learn how to tie my shoes, you know, like, sort of this deconstructionist idea of, like, every. Small thing you do, right? And how you have to kind of completely start from zero and, and rethink it uh, as experienced by the people in the film.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, What was the name of the Robert Cole's book? Where uh, chapter on what?
2: doing documentary work? Um, okay. It's 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 a relatively brisk uh, read, um, but it's it's very highly regarded um, for good reason. Um, he, he covers a lot, not just filmmaking, um, just kind of a lot of like nonfiction, uh, reportage and, and things of that nature.
1: We, we read the, uh, his chapter on Wiseman, which spends most of its time talking about the deaf and blind series, which is very cool. Um, but he kind of like, uh, responds to critics and like, like I said, like, there's a lot of this like challenging and rewarding type of language in, in the critics. And, and he talks about how he, him, and his wife showed the films to a bunch of kids the same ages as, yeah. as the subjects, and how much they loved the series, and right. and also their son, who was like working with some kids from a different socioeconomic background, also showed it to like a captive audience, um, and so he's like kind of like confronting critics, saying like who who are who who considers these boring? Why are these boring?
2: Yeah, this a demanding idea, right? If you can, like, if you can, like, keep a bunch of, like, small kids in a classroom attention over two hours, right? Like, that's no small fee. I remember, like, you know, them showing, like, Air Bud or gremlins in the auditorium during, like, rainy days or something, you know, is, like, good luck.
1: Yeah, and, and his response to that is, I think, pretty uh, illustrative of of Wiseman, but he he says perhaps some of us are offended because as experts or announcers we have been denied employment, refused permission to do what we otherwise do so commonly on TV and elsewhere in our life, make pronouncements, assert our authority, get seen and heard, and he goes on to say that um, that Wiseman is keeping experts keeping away like expert narrators and pundit talking heads, instead only featuring the inhabitants of, of whatever world he's focusing on. And in doing so, he, he, he still, he has no trouble finding average men and women and children who have a lot to say about their life, uh, which sure. I think is just such a good point. Like um, instead of bringing in, you know, Lynn manuel Miranda to talk to us <laughs> about um, the Harlem <laughs> music festival. Uh, but uh, it, it's just a good way of articulating, you know, what, we've talked about early on and goes, you know, hand in hand with what Unger was saying Um that like Wiseman's films are just about discovery and, and, and a type of learning that is a different type of learning from watching like a Ted talk,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
1: bite-sized info teaching uh infotainment or whatever. Um You know, his aims are, in learning are just like, like I said, like before kind of using poetic uh like fictional uh devices whatever uh to to be able to like show you art that will affect your understanding of life
2: Mm, yeah and like you know that that's very funny example you brought up but like you you think about what the more standard paint by numbers treatment of like a Weissman film would be, and you have like Weissman or someone else coming in and saying like these students you know wake up at eight and uh, at ten thirty you know they do they learn the Braille typewriter or whatever, and it's just like that's what would be so exasperating right mm-hmm. like like con- like trying to conceptualize that just sounds like such a chore or and, like they, yeah. they-
1: students often start using a cane at this age like right st- yeah stuff like that. who cares yeah. right yeah.
2: Like, you know I, I could see i can see you know roughly six or seven or however it's like and and it's it's great too because like uh that charlotte scene comes in you know after jason maybe a little over a half hour in and at that point you're like oh yeah like I expected there would have been more canes already by this point at a school for the blind. Right. You, and you don't even think about it because like mm-hmm. you're just experiencing it. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah,
1: I think that's just a salient point that like watching Wiseman's films don't allow you to like go, Oh, I know what this is about. <laughs> and now <laughs> I get sure. to like, I, I get to talk about it at cocktail parties, you know? Like,
2: right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, he also too, just, you know, kind of not a little obvious, but, but it, the idea of Weissman's whole project addressing audiences, blindness and deafness, you know, to right, these various right. issues and institutions. And I mean, uh, the, the blind and deaf series in particular, you know, is, is really, uh, important and in, in thinking about that because, uh, Weissman himself says, you know, like, I don't know any blind or deaf people in my own life, you know, and you think about, yeah, I, I don't know any blind or deaf people personally either. And I'll talk later about some, some Herzog docs I watched, but, you know, he, as we all know, is one who is wont to voice over um, much more than Weissman is, uh, which is not at all. But um, <laughs> he, he notes, like, you know, people... his film was about West Germany. Um, But there was like a survey of West Germany and like the overwhelming majority said they don't want to live with deaf or blind people or near deaf or blind people, you know, Mm -hmm. so they're essentially like sequestered and isolated, you know, so we don't have these interactions uh, Mm -hmm. regularly with, with deaf and blind people. And, And the fact of like centering their experience in the way that these films do, um, is like just so rare and, and important. Uh, I, I don't use that word like much, but like, like, you know, just, uh, like, yeah, like everybody knows that deaf and blind people exist. It's like, why don't we like have that kind of firsthand experience? And, and the films like really make you think about that in a, in a way that like some of the other films, um, you know, don't, don't do necessarily the same well, kind of thing
1: on that point. Um, in the notcoming.com piece from 2008 by Evan Kindley, he he's talking about this sociological study in the 60s by a guy named Irving Guffman. Uh, mm. For all the Guffman heads out there. Uh, in, uh, Guffman talks it, it's about It's Guffman? The,
2: it's not Go- Guffman. Guffman?
1: I don't know. I might have written it wrong. <laughs>
3: Shoot. I'm clearly not a Guffman
1: E.G. E. is what I usually refer to him as. But... Um, he talks about the delicate imbalance uh, created for disabled people when, when there's this like, quote unquote normals, right, come into contact with them, and um, basically like normals create this stigma whether they want to or not, and they either like undercorrect or overcorrect yeah. in trying to behave properly around people with disabilities, um, which makes total sense, um, but that creates a stigma and also burdens people with with uh, disabilities. Um, And, you know, of course, the teachers at this school or just in general aren't creating this because there's like, you know, there's an understanding and there's an expectation there. But part of Wiseman's genius is that he's using this opportunity to grant us access to this disabled population without creating a stigma and creating something reflective for for non-disabled viewers like you're talking about giving us this access and also commenting on the nature of filmmaking and the inherent tools uh of filmmaking uh, as well as the potential of, of filmmaking
2: beautiful yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh he also said that it's it's worth noting uh for us as well that that the subjects will never get to see this film
2: right right yeah. for the most part uh, I'm, I'm sure the administrators did. And I, I haven't seen anything yet about what their reaction may or may not have been. Um, yeah. but it'll be interesting to see if that comes up. But, you know, think, thinking back to high school, um, which is also something to think about, uh, back to high school. You know, I think, you know, they the way this film, uh, engages with, uh, ideas in high school, both, uh, confirming, you know, similar ideas and also challenging them. Um, you know, whether it's like a a progress of time or, you know, the vastly different context of this school. Um, but you know, I couldn't help think like in the, we'll talk later about the disciplinary scenes, but the scene with the like U S good Russia, bad sort of speech, the, the one, a uh, kid with a great voice who's reading his his essay
5: America land of the free home of the brave
3: <laughs> For me that's
5: for me that phrase is what the American system is based on Land of the free means free speech press religion and election where else in the world you can have these privileges but in America? In the Soviet Union, the power belongs to the government. It controls education, jobs, religion, press and speech. Here we have the right to the to voice our opinion about what we want the government to do. You cannot do that in Russia. (laughs) The government tells you what to do. The schools are dominated by the government. Religion is practically prohibited. Here, you have a right choose your own church denomination. No, no elections are held in Russia, but here you chose who you need in office. So let's keep America a democracy. This is what um this is what america means to me i hope to you it means the same
2: um thinking back to the one black student we see and towards the end of high school is talking about this place being a trash pile, right? Like, <laughs> like, like an embarrassment, you know, like, and, and here's a student, you know, now roughly 20 years removed. Uh, and uh, he's in Alabama and that student was at that Northeast high in Philadelphia. Um, so the contexts are different, but you know, I, I think, the dialogue uh for people who have seen both of these films is is really interesting to think about as in terms of resistance because resistance is something we get none of from mm-hmm. students really you know we will we have dallas who's this kind of uh who's acting out uh but we don't see him act out
1: no uh,
2: we don't see him push we only hear about it you know we only see him be denigrated for it um, but, by and large, this is an institution of like cooperation and collaboration in a way mm. I think that's really interesting and rare throughout all the institutions we've seen thus far
1: It's also worth noting when you're talking about high school uh and this resistance is um that I believe some of the students after this came out made uh shirts in braille that said Fred Wiseman was right. <laughs>
2: is worth noting. thank you. <laughs> yeah,
1: I almost forgot. Um uh but I, I wanted to situate this within Wiseman's education films uh more broadly past high school. So high school mm-hmm. is the first the only one that has come yet, but um <clears throat> from the you know thirty some that I've seen, um this uh, is like on a spectrum that includes high school uh blind, this this series. Yeah. Um, high school two at Berkeley. Um, I was trying to remember if there's teaching in, in ballet, but I think that's more of just a, comic.
2: well, you get uh, Moby Dick in Belfast. Um, yeah.
1: oh yes. And Monrovia you get teaching yeah, in that. Right. Yeah. But, but I mean more about like films about, uh, education. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, more specifically. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, high school is the only one that has come yet.
2: Yeah. It d- It doesn't really seem like, you know, so far at least from what we've encountered that, that people are really situating uh, this film and these films and, and that kind of uh, series
1: no and Grant talks about how it begs uh, to draw parallels with high school because you see a lot of similar actions and, and I think Member also brought up the Simon Says thing at the end you get a, a mm-hmm. shot of the girls like doing the jumping jacks or something That's very similar, but, um,
2: yeah, I mean, talk about Grant a little bit because I had forgotten because it had been so long that he, uh, groups the series Mm -hmm. together with a scene, Mm -hmm. which, you know, didn't jump out to me really on, on viewing it. But, you know, as I went back and reread this chapter, um, it's just really interesting. Like the, the connections, uh, not only in terms of, like, content and scenes, but in, in the way uh, that that Weissman is, like, shooting and framing things and uh, engaging with, like, ideas of community, I think. And You're right, like, right. You know, that, that uh, we have, I think he talks about, you know, obviously there's uh, bro- Brother Wilfred, but otherwise it's a very similar sort of milieu where like uh there's not a lot of resistance you know it's it's people collaborating to try and strive towards like this common goal
1: yeah or trying to collaborate yeah he he, he talks about how they together they are uh films about transcendence of ego for the sake of community um and um wisely he says um that the rest of Wiseman's work gains considerable depth from from the emphasis of these five films. So, in other words, um, you know the way we see community achieved in these films enriches our understanding of Wiseman's approach to community, specifically in something like Belfast or Missile. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about Missile. Just like uh, Labouza brought that up with a scene, um, the connection between Missile. So, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk plenty of that. But um, but we've already seen that through a scene in our. Um, episodes uh which we brought up quite a bit though the you know the ways that that monastery community fails and succeeds uh resonates over something like the store and similar ways that like neiman marcus is trying to preserve itself right um they're all in, in conversation with with each other
2: um did did you have any thing to say about this um analysis about schrader and like talking about like, uh, Ozu and, uh, Brisson, all that. Kind oh,
1: of stuff. oh, oh, uh, the transcendental style.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: No, I didn't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it was just, you know, kind of need kind of a, a cinephilic yeah. wank a little about, bit, but it, I think we talked so, a
1: little bit on the yeah. scene, uh, episode about that. But. Yeah. Um, but talking about community, I did like another part from Kindley's piece and not coming, um, about how, um, we get this conversation towards the end about integrating into public schools, and um, which is a, a good scene, an interesting scene, and um and it seems plausible, it seems like a discussion that happens in places like this and a reasonable thing to be discussing. And I thought it was really helpful to see uh kindly uh, bring in like a wiseman juxtaposition um with the dance party, the Halloween dance party that comes right after it. And he says, um, he says an event or he's talking about this dance party and says it's an event whose palpable sense of security comes precisely from its homogeneity, its isolation of the blind students from other social groups, including, for the most part, their teachers. Here we see kids dancing happily, unself consciously, with varying levels of competence, but all with obvious enthusiasm dressed up with their makeshift costumes even with the most stigmatized students looking distinctly less other and we finally experience them as they must habitually confront each other what's most affecting about the scene in this is the realization that ordinary as it is this dance may be one of the most total experiences of community in these students lives so he's using this scene as like or this juxtaposition as a question or like saying that Wiseman is is questioning the scene before it saying like um, is that a good r- response for these students or, or is that a good, like, um, uh, goal for, for a lot of these students? Like, will they have the same community? It's sort of an open-ended question, I guess. Um, will they have the same type of community at a public school that they have right here? Um, uh, yeah. and I'm sure he doesn't know the answer to that.
2: Yeah. And, and we don't know too, whether, you know, that, is really how things were or if that's just kind of the scene that Weissman created it for his film um necessarily you know like like you know there could have been more kind of teacher interaction or involvement but he chooses to show us all these scenes of students engaging with students only and it you know we'll we'll talk about that later as well but like just the scene in general um but you know again just thinking about the reality fictions idea and and the way Weissman is curating his experience, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, arguably like invisible terms, but, you know, if, if you're attuned to it, you start to think about that more and more.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very easy to imagine him or, you know, yourself like being there and seeing like, say, say you, you go to this Halloween party and you're just like, watching it and you're experiencing it as like an observer and you're just like wow this is amazing i like haven't seen this type of like community as realized as it is right here and it's just like a beautiful moment and then the next day you show up and they're like oh we're having this meeting about like integrating into public schools and like Mm -hmm. i can imagine yeah in that scenario it'd be like oh but will they have the same community there like will life be difficult for these people socially to do that um and so I mean, just a, a plausible scenario, but who knows?
2: Yeah, and and right, the scene before, like the kind of like gym, athletic scene uh, from a little bit before, was like they're literally wrestling with sighted kids you know from Mm -hmm. the public school you know and it it's this like it's already this inherent power imbalance um but you know here they are like actually throwing them down on the mat you know yeah like there's really nothing really like like the coach is kind of trying to explain to them
6: what he's done he's got the upper arm this is robert all right he's come around got behind behind the elbow yeah okay all right the other leg he shot through yeah, and he's hooking right behind the knee oh okay all right look come here now he shot through with his left leg all right now i want you to feel the position he's in and he's right here and his knees down on the floor okay oh, nowhere, nowhere to get that position on me
2: but like there's no real conception of it and it's just it's it's kind of this token integration i think that's not really substantive Um, but like they're, they're trying to kind of check off that box and be like, look, we're, we're working towards like a broader integration.
1: Um,
2: I thought it was interesting that
1: just as like a spare note in, um, Grant, uh, notices the shot of the defunct movie house, which I believe it, it, I can't remember. It's like a ministry though now, but, um, it's, it's, uh, cool. it's
2: like this old deco kind of looking thing.
1: Yeah. But I thought it was interesting because he. He says that he posits it as like a metaphor for the exhausted conventional cinema to which uh, the deaf and blind series announces its opposition, which made me think of E.T. You know, E.T. dolls. Right. <laughs> in yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, same thing. He yeah. he ripped me off uh, 30, <laughs> 30 years prior. <laughs> no, yeah, but I mean, I mean, yeah, the the you know. So now we have Weissman explicitly in in the New York Times piece putting himself in opposition to television and within the film, putting himself mainstream in opposition, yeah. right. Mainstream television and mainstream film. And, you know, he, even within the documentary community, we've kind of talked about that. He's like friends with, with Errol Morris, but like, he, he's not really, uh, he, he's a man alone, you know, he's doing yeah, his yeah. own thing. Like he, he's, you know, like he'll always be off over there like being Frederick Weissman while everything else is kind of going on around him. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, documentaries are, uh, you know, experimenting and, and trying other things. Um, but like this, I think he's, uh, you know, in opposition or if not direct opposition, at least like, you know, parallel to pretty much like all visual media, I guess. <laughs>
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: yeah it was interesting
1: that uh in between my two viewings of blind is when i injured my ankle (laughs) and (laughs) coming back and like reading reading stuff while that was while i was injured and then watching again it was like it uh all of the the pieces that say like it makes you like think about your day-to-day stuff more. Mm-hmm. It was just like a yeah. very easy thing for me to gra- grasp at the point where I'm just, when I'm just like, I wish I could just walk to right. the kitchen, but instead I can't. And so I have to think about that now and the stuff that you would just involuntarily do. Um, yeah.
2: That's interesting. Yeah. Is anyway, any, any, uh, anything uh, in, in particular given you trouble over the past couple weeks?
1: Uh not being able to leave my house. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're able to find the water fountain, all right though. Yeah. No, I mean like
1: I'm on crutches and so everything is yeah. like do I carry something? Do I hop when like do I ask my you know partner yeah. to to do one more thing for me? Right. Um but yeah. Um hopefully it'll be over by the next time we, we talk. But this was There's fun something. because it made me not think about it for a couple hours.
2: So, well, even though you're thinking about it, I'm thinking about it now.
1: But um, yeah, did you have anything else to say about Blind?
3: Um,
2: uh, we we really get into the film uh, with Jeff, uh, great guest, great Weissman yes. head, absolutely. Um, so you have a a great conversation to look forward to there. We ran pretty long uh, for that segment. Um. It starts out on a banger,
1: so just look look forward to that. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, let's see. Oh, uh, I think there's one scene we get with a blind teacher, it seemed to be. Yeah,
1: we do, yep. Um, she appears later as well.
2: Right, with, with the older kids, which was also really interesting. Like, And it, it seemed to be there's... Um, a mention at the opening with the racetrack that the like band leader was a former student who came back, uh, and <laughs> just thinking about the, um, cyclical nature of academia broadly, mm. you mm-hmm. know, um, of, you know, getting your master's and then, uh, going back, you know, in a professorship and teaching and whatever, <laughs> like this, uh, uh, just this idea of like, you know, we'll talk about our, is the school really preparing people for the outside world or is it just making them uh, very well acclimated to the world of the school? Right. And like, right, yeah. like, uh, our, you know, I think there's probably of course, like just like, regular altruistic reasons for for wanting to educate students um, but I, I it did make me think about like you know are some people just so well acclimated to the institute that it makes more sense to build their professional life within it than to try and uh, do so elsewhere
1: yeah but you know I've always thought about that with high school generally of being like so many students probably want to be a teacher cuz for the last 12 years they that's the profession that they've watched every day mm-hmm. and so it's just like this is this is a job that i know a lot about cuz i spent all day with them right but I, I don't know um all right i i think that we we covered this yeah. one pretty well um i look forward to seeing how it fits in with the next 3 um i remember i i almost watched or i started at some point watching like um multi handicapped I think and got sidetracked really quickly and this was a couple of years ago and I'm really glad that I, I I didn't uh watch it then um I look forward to to experiencing it in in sequence but um yeah as, as can... we'll talk
2: about with Jeff the as the films go on you know the conception of this film changes will change, uh, right. and, and the way that we'll, it'll be interesting to track the way these films are in dialogue with each other and how like retroactively uh different scenes and make you rethink things that you saw in previous films
1: yeah there was that question while prepping of like okay so do i like we're gonna lose something either way it's like i'm gonna yeah, watch right. all of them and be able to talk about them in context or experience them in real time but i didn't really want to force myself to watch four of them without, you know, being excited about it. No. Um, so I hope that listeners enjoy, uh, experiencing it in real time, I guess, our, our epiphanies. Um, but yeah, you can email us at wisemanpodcast at com. You can get a free shirt or not free shirt, fifteen dollars $15 <laughs> shirt. Um, if you do that as well, but, um, uh, ask us questions or reflections or whatever. Um, But uh, I hope that you enjoy our discussion with Jeff. Thanks so much. Welcome back to Wiseman Podcast. We're here with Jeff Griffith Perham, the Film Exhibition Curatorial Associate at the Berkeley Art Museum and Pacific Film Archive, or known as BAMFA. How are you doing, Jeff?
7: I'm good, and there's always the argument, even internally in the office, whether it's BAMFA or BAMPFA. BAMPFA. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, my my girlfriend uh, went to Berkeley and and worked there, and she always corrects me. She's like, "No, you have to say BAM PFA."
7: Oh, that's interesting. That's always <laughs> yeah. good to hear. Or I'm am a BAM PFA person, but some you know some people have been there longer say Bamfa. Most of the students now say Bamfa. Yeah, I came
1: from a Bamfa household. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> um, well, uh, Bamfa has been a huge asset for us in our research.
2: Huge um, major.
1: Yeah, just in in, uh, the uh, archiving of so many contemporaneous reviews. So um, it's nice to have a representative here.
7: Yeah, cinephiles are, uh, you know, sort of archive of, yes, as you described, contemporaneous reviews, interviews, um, and just general ephemera from the time and scans of old... uh, program guides and so on and so forth um it's an amazing resource and you don't need to be a student like so many uh mm-hmm. library resources are firewalled for students and ours is open to everybody so
1: yeah one, one of the great discoveries for this series that i found on there was the uh, london film fest uh curation of this series that had a footnote that said um, <clears throat> that there are no wheelchair spots in the theater <laughs> available <laughs> yeah. for, this, for these
2: showings.
7: Amazing. Um, yeah. But so, they were, we're
2: going to try and find maybe yeah. a second venue, but like <laughs> probably not.
7: Yeah, something like
1: that. Um, so you've seen every Wiseman film in chronological order. Is
7: that right? I, I have seen them all. Yes, I, I, I haven't. Know quite seen them in chronological order because when i started watching them i definitely would go see the new ones in the theater oh gotcha, gotcha. so yeah basically and um i'd say you know i i worked in video stores i worked in movie theaters i was a film major in college and basically got through that whole uh time period barely hearing about wiseman He wasn't Uh really brought up too often, and uh, I knew the name Titticut Follies, but had not seen it. And then around 2008, um, I heard the words that all young film obsessives want to hear, three and a half hour documentary (laughs) about (laughs) the Idaho State Legislature. (laughs) And I remember seeing that and being like, and you know, that appealed to uh, a younger, more macho, you know, like, Oh, I want to test my endurance oh sure, and like my intellectual and physical endurance. And like, this seems like the most epically boring and exciting thing (laughs) all at the same time. Um, but it wasn't, it had come and gone. I think it played anthology film archives. I was living in New York and, um, So, and then I think I read a short interview with Wiseman in uh, that Bilga Abiri did in uh, for Vulture and loved his attitude Mm. um, and thought he was so funny. Um, And so I tracked down Titicut Follies and high school and watched those pretty quickly back to back. um, And then was able to track down state legislature um, and the. the 40-year gap. Oh, yeah. Uh, And the rigor of the style, like just it being so recognizable 40 years later in color on, you know, modern cameras uh, and just seeing history sort of collapse in -hmm. on itself was uh, super powerful and I knew I had to bridge that gap. Um, So I got into the process of Just ticking them off one by one, deliberately, not dissimilarly from how you guys are doing it. So it basically got me to like, I caught up maybe around National Gallery. Um, Okay. um, But I watched all the ones in the theater that I had the chance to. And then if there was a repertory screening, I would jump on that one. Um, But that didn't come up too often. That's come up more since uh, I've had my job. And yeah. Wiseman came in twenty eighteen and gave an amazing lecture and talked with a, talked at a screening of high school. Um and yeah, it's just it's been amazing, and it's been amazing to spend any time interfacing with Zipporah and Wiseman himself at those events. Um but one one thing yeah, so with the 40-year gap between those. I had just watched the 7-Up series Mm -hmm. not long before. So the time capsule aspect, that 40-year gap and the time capsule-ness of it, which I don't think is insulting. I don't think it's limiting to what Wiseman's films are. I do think as a time capsule, they are invaluable in fashion and style, how people talk, um, everything not touched by uh, sort of Hollywood gloss. Sure. And getting a real sense of like, what was it like in the 80s in Alabama? Mm. What kind of style, what kind of clothes were people wearing versus like 80s Hollywood films that would be certainly more on the cutting edge of what uh, fashions are and how people talk. But, um, and then, so the one thing I really want to get to in talking about uh, Wiseman. And something that sort of came to me recently from reading Barry Keith Grant's Voyages of Discovery is I had never seen, uh, Wiseman frequently references novels and how influential novels are Mm -hmm. to everything he does. Um, And, you know, he mentions The Confidence Man by (laughs) Melville repeatedly and for a good reason. And, um, but Barry Keith Grant mentioned, oh, he's really influenced by Peter Bruegel the patron. oh yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah hunters in the snow yeah
7: hunters in the snow exactly a favorite of filmmakers Tarkovsky and Lars von Trier who's ripping Tarkovsky and ripping mm-hmm. Bruegel um and uh before I got into Wiseman not long before I was reading Underworld the Don DeLillo book mm-hmm. um and the prologue takes place at the 1951 uh New York Giants Brooklyn Dodgers pennant and and, it takes, and it's the Shot heard Round the World, the Bobby Thompson hit. And the, uh, there's this big section of it where there's a Life magazine on the ground. And the character's looking at it. And it has an article about the triumph of death at the Prado, uh, one of Bruegel's works, or one of his paintings. And I'm reading a book. So obviously, I go to the internet. I'm like, what does this painting look like? And it's sort of like the most metal amazing thing. (laughs) And it's just like an army of skeletons just like ravaging uh, these villagers. Um, And I thought it was amazing. And I just like made it my desktop background. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, and it remained that for like years and years and years. So it was always in my mind. And I, you know, got interested in Bruegel and looked at his other work. And, you know, his peasant series. He has like something called like a peasant series that, sort of shows like just giant tableaus and landscapes of people going about their business, doing everyday uh, lives. Not all of them are just like skeletons cutting people's heads off and, and things like that. But, uh, so that got me thinking just recently, okay, this really appeals to me. And then I see that Wiseman's there. So trying to bridge that gap and Mm -hmm. sort of interrogate my own, uh, like why do i like i love a lot of filmmakers i love filmmakers from all over the world why does wiseman come to the top like what is it about my upbringing or whatever and then i was just looking at these images and i'm just like this is just like It just brought me immediately to where's waldo (laughs) and or where's wally to yeah for sure people overseas and um and they're just they're institutional tableaus like that's what Uh where's waldo is and (laughs) then i I, I just was flipping through my book and it's like oh yeah there's the beach (laughs) there's you know an airport but there's also just in that first book a zoo slash safari park a ski slope a museum a sports Mm -hmm. stadium a department store (laughs) <laughs> so we've got zoo, aspen, national gallery, the gardens, parks. Yeah. yeah, uh the store all just like in central park like all just there and I know that's that's just something that like kind of blew my mind where I love pouring yeah, yeah, over man. those books. I wasn't fun. just like I yeah. found Waldo. Cut You know, I was just like, oh, what's going on in this corner? What are these people doing over here? What are they doing? Why is this person spilling something? Or this person's cleaning up in the corner. And then I realized (laughs) that this sort of isn't, Instilled in my narrative being, and like,
2: sorry Whoa, yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank you for uh, for bringing in a literary reference that I can <laughs> I can jibe with you guys on. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I don't think um, uh, I don't think we've had many literary references since Breaky Pants, so this works. Uh, um, I'm
2: yeah. curious though. Uh, before we get too into it, you know, uh, you said you, you caught up around the time of National Gallery, which was um, 2014, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is three years prior to Canopy. So I'm, I'm, I guess yeah. I'm curious, you know, you have a history in video stores, but how, how were you tracking these films down at the time?
7: I, uh I can say I was using the internet <laughs> <laughs> good no I think I
2: think it's good that you know lo- loosely the we acknowledge the internet as yes. uh, the an important um, source for Weissman viewership and scholarship
7: yeah well and, they were so hard to find
3: for long. right yeah they right, were hard
7: right, to find yeah. and and some of them I did gather, by a DVD, but I will just say, and I'll just put in quotes the internet has yeah. been also in, invaluable for my work. Um, sure. yeah, 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 and primarily when it comes to things like crowdsource subtitles, hmm. um, yeah. mm-hmm. so frequently we're showing work that might not even have an English. A proper, you know, English translation, oh,
3: wow. and we have to
7: e-title it or, or launch the subtitles manually from the projection booth with a digital projector, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of time grabbing any sort of original source material or some translation that even a uh, you know just a civilian might have done and contributed that to uh, the greater online archive is s- so valuable, um, and For the sure. same thing with being able to dig up screeners of impossible to find movies for um, the curators to um, yeah. preview and do Definitely. their work.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I, w- I was going to say, um, <clears throat> so when you got to state legislature, did you find that where you just like, Oh, this is not like duration. It's just like people yelling in hallways <laughs> and like arguing in, in rooms and uh, not exactly what you thought it was when you uh,
7: first were looking at it from the outside. I think, I think I expected it to be slower. And I mean, and, and I think the thing that I, one of the things I love about Wiseman, like I came to Wiseman, I came to film through super narrative Hollywood cinema and Wiseman uses that language. He uses shot, reverse shot. He, you know, he, the way he constructs and and condenses time is very much the stuff of, Hollywood narrative cinema, how he uses cutaways to sort of just condense and reaction shots to condense, even though he's not sitting there with three cameras. um, Right. It feels like a movie. Um, And because it didn't have those interviews, it felt like scenes. And also immediately the amazing thing about state legislature is immediately it felt dated. Like it was, it was pretty brand new and it's just a bunch of old men talking about um, people, (laughs) Taking upskirt photographs with their cell phones <laughs> and trying and just seeing a bunch of, uh, you know, Republicans try and do the work of legislating when they have no, you know, Democratic opposition. They have no sort of opposition yeah. and just sort and of seeing them And it's all anecdotal. Fumble. There's yes. no like
1: empirical, like, no. Uh, it, it's all just like, yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
7: yeah. So, I mean, and it, it flew by. I mean, I, I do think his movies just sort of move. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, I, I'm glad you brought up the the uh, the Waldo. You made that connection um, because, like, I always, like, I think you articulated something from me as to, like, the Beregal thing, like, I, I was like, I get this. It's like a large scope, right? And there's all these people moving around um and yeah i don't know what what else to say other than like I, I really appreciate that and that's gonna stick i think that's probably gonna stick with arlen and i both
7: for a while that's good yeah man. i mean it was something that i immediately like went to when i i went to twitter and the internet and i was just like waldo wise <laughs> well, i was yeah, like yeah, yeah yeah i was like is is this a thought an original a semi-original thought but it, was it like, also I like i found nothing
1: waldo allows you to like look at your own pace kind of thing. Like you're just Mm -hmm. kind of like surveying it. Like you're looking at who you want to look at and you're kind of just like taking your time with it in a way that that is very like Wiseman-esque can be. I I totally, totally agree. Yeah. Um, so what, uh, what, did you have a particular affinity for blind or like the deaf and blind series?
7: Yeah. I, I remember I saw first saw blind on a plane. Um, or I was watching it on a plane on my laptop, um, and uh, they, I, they weren't showing it. In the- they weren't, it wasn't <laughs> part of the in-flight <laughs> entertainment, sadly. Um, but the the thing that Im- immediately jumps out, obviously, is your senses are heightened instantly by just the structure mm-hmm. of the film and how it. The opening half an hour sort of like blows you out with the first ten to fifteen minutes of loud noise and chaos, and then. Um. And then immediately you get to um, Jason doing his walk.
3: That's
4: very good. You got an A. And I'm putting very good on it. Would you like to go down and show it to Miss
3: Williams? I can find a
7: way. Um, and it's, you know, I thought it was just incredible. Like it was, it was one of the great performances in Wiseman, <laughs> and and just the the recurring characters. Also, mm-hmm. really jumps out and stays with me because there's not hmm. that many hmm. at this point That's that have true. that scene yeah. for sure. Um, but right. but this one with its recurring characters and you never kind of know when they're kind of come back. And I do think Wiseman more so than his other works actually, like consciously, is like using bookends and bringing those same characters back at different times. And there's just oh, yeah. there's just so
1: few. Getting to see, like, Charlotte and Jason, like, dancing together at the end. Absolutely. so cool. Yeah.
7: Yeah, it's it's beautiful stuff. Um, And also, uh, I mean, Blind is super interesting in context with the other three in the series. Um, But at the time, generally speaking, or certainly for the first half of Blind, it feels um, really cathartic and Mm -hmm. euphoric and it has, like, payoff and you get to see these small children for the first time in a Wiseman sort of like small children going about their business. And um, each one of their accomplishments is just like fist pumping, like <laughs> rousing um, here and there. And, like, and obviously as, as you move on in the series, that gets more complicated. Um, and it's interesting to think of blind within the context of those four films and just as a film yeah. with this whole body of work but yeah blind jumped out primarily also just for it's about seeing it's about looking it's about those senses um and it, it being a documentary it's about the invisibility of the camera
3: mm-hmm.
6: and
2: so, and more so than like any documentary ever really right because like there's um i, I don't want to do anyone into disservice but i forget who wrote about it, we, there were a a lot of writing about this film relative to to other films, but um, well, first, everybody talks about the Jason walk because how how could you not? (laughs) Um, But you know, the, the idea that, and there, you know, I think we get hints throughout that there's of course varying degrees of sightedness amongst the students here, but, but the idea Mm -hmm. that they don't notice Weissman and Davey because they can't see them. So, you know, there there's nothing different about this day in the classroom with these two guys filming them as any other time and what that does to uh, you know, for lack of a better word, like their performances, right? And, and the uh, quote-unquote like authenticity of their actions performed for the camera is of a degree that like is very rare in non-fiction filmmaking on the whole
1: yeah yeah Evan Evan Kindley of uh in this not coming piece said it was as close as Wiseman has come to fly on the wall filmmaking <laughs> a term a term he you know obviously like you know hates but it it is kind of fitting for this it's just like yeah they're but it, there, there's also this strange feeling of, like, you are so aware of these two men uh, walking around <laughs> this school um, that uh, complicates the relationship, um, just complicates what you're looking at and what you're computing as you're watching.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but with the Jason, too, I was, was going to ask, have either of you guys seen that Japanese show, Old Enough, uh, that no. showed up on Netflix recently?
7: I, I've, so, I've heard tell of it.
2: It's really, really good. If any, anyone who loves that Jason scene is going to love this show, but the idea of it <laughs> is that uh, they send out like a two to six year old on an errand by themselves for the first time. And they have just kind of like a fleet of camera people f- tailing them with like their camera kind of semi hidden in a bag that they're just you know obviously they're just flanked by all these adults and they're kind of like what's going on what are you doing but it's it's very cute and like there's this one uh uh, episode i remember with a kid who just reminded me of jason a lot he keeps going up a hill with a bag of groceries and an apple keeps falling out of his bag and rolling down the hill (laughs) and he has to go back down and bring it up and that happens like three times probably (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly We've talked about Sisyphus a lot on this this show, it's but true. um but the the durational element of it, the way that like through watching, like we we come to almost participate, and like the the empathy is heightened because like we're experiencing the the joy of getting up the hill or the joy of making it to the classroom with the pain of uh, uh, watching him have to do it over and over again, and it's like. I think duration uh, is really key, obviously throughout *Weisman*, but in this film in particular. And um, I don't want to get ahead of things, but like yeah. like a, a few a few that I watched um, concurrently uh, with *Blind* was Herzog's film *Land of Silence and Darkness*. Uh, I also watched his short called *Handicapped Futures*, about a school for physically disabled kids. And then I, I coincidentally watched um, Derek Jarman's film Blue, not realizing what it was really about, but just happened to have thrown it on while we were doing research here. And duration was really the key thing uh, throughout all these films in terms of like a cinematic uh, grammar to articulate, you know, the, these sort of um, experiences. Um, and and I think you know, so so for Weissman who is always playing with length and duration like the the subject matter um is it's like tailor-made for for him that's
1: funny because i uh coincidentally uh watched rewatched uh hollywood ending the movie where uh woody allen plays a filmmaker who goes blind uh duration i would say plays into that but probably in a (laughs) a different
2: sense it's been a minute i have seen that one but yeah
1: (laughs) i but i like the um Member brings up uh, with the Jason in the hallway scene, the, the Danny Torrance on the bike in, in The Shining shot, which I think is an apt comparison and, uh, hmm. and maybe is uh, Wiseman's way of getting back at, wait, no, no, Full Metal Jacket hadn't happened, had happened yet. Happened yet. <laughs> <Never mind. laughs> right, it was coming. It was coming. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> His fists were uh, shaking already.
7: He's like, give, give me my print back.
1: but somebody says um that one of the critics at the time said that like the key wise man point was like that he that we get to go we get to see him come back um so like you know obviously the trip there is is amazing and then once you realize and i remember being on sort of that precipice of like oh please like i want to i hope we get to keep following and then we do and that is sort of like that does really like turn it into something that um, is just so satisfying. Um, and then you get back there, uh, and then... Uh, you
6: got a 95. That's an
1: A.
4: Minus. Can you put that up in the basket, please?
0: Can I go show it to Miss
4: Let me check Sarah's and see what she got, and maybe I can go down together, because I really don't believe you can find your way down quite yet, okay?
1: Not, I mean, we can keep talking about Jason, but like the when you're talking about how cathartic this, like, first 30 or this first half of this film is, um, we get to see Charlotte go in the hallway on her own journey, um, and by the time that's over, there's like 45 minutes of the movie is gone, and it feels like you've like barely watched anything, like, it it just feels like it just Mm -hmm. goes by so smoothly, and you are so like caught up in these simple gestures. But also, I think Barry Keith Grant was the one that said that um and and after i watched the jason sequence i was like that i knew something i knew this shot was coming i didn't know exactly what it was but just from like hearing um robert green talk about it um and also miranda july write about it um i knew something was in there and to see it come within like 20 minutes um i was like oh that's weird like it's such a powerful scene i'm surprised that it came that early and then as grant points out the fact that we get to see charlotte go through all of these steps after she wasn't allowed to do it like it just makes that Jason scene like so much richer which just being like this is what he had to learn to do this it's, it's just like such beautiful like structuring
7: yeah and I, I do I, I I did do a little Google translation of a French book about wise men oh yeah Did, I, I mean i don't speak french but i plugged it into google translate and there was an excerpt it's called it's by maurice darman A- A-
2: american mm-hmm. uh, chron- chronicles
7: yeah um chronicles. and he had all these quotes from john Davy. i don't know where they came from oh wow that, uh, that were specifically about that scene and we gotta get this
3: book we translated I somehow and, and, <laughs> and, and
7: from the translation, what I read or what i what was spit out, I should say um it's it's Davy was suggesting, oh yeah, at some point Jason like turns around and says like "Hey to us," and talks to us for like a second in yeah, a way, they're... I mean he does turn around he like like one of my favorite he holds moments, it up he yeah, holds yeah. up a paper and he's like. like teachers yeah, who yeah, are walking yeah, by yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and it's so amazing because the camera just pulls back almost yeah. like like Whoa. davy is startled <laughs> and he, like he has his, his invisibility cloak on and he's walking in the hall and it almost like a teacher just turns around it's like hey and he sort of pulls back um but in the i guess at some point jason maybe even when he was facing forward said like oh you guys coming or something like yeah that. And and it's the same thing where it's like what kind of I, that scene really got me thinking about even before I read that about like the shoes that Wiseman and Davy are wearing <laughs> for like how yeah. how are you following and going up the stairs so quietly and yeah. the, sort of like the the sort of mastery of the editing and this you know probably. Layering in the room tone or the hall tone or whatever it is.
2: It's true because, like that that teacher who walks by, you hear she's wearing like heels or something, some kind of hard sole, you know. And I'm like, is that Fred and John? But like then, then he says hi to the teacher, and then you don't hear them really walking. And I guess also that's maybe a credit to to Fred's boom work. Um, But but you know, I think there there were a couple interesting moments like one shot in a hallway where a student waves at the camera Uh, there was like one very brief moment where uh, some of the older kids are coming out of a classroom and then a student seems to notice them there and like gets embarrassed and turns back into the classroom you know so like again this this we're we're always learning about varying degrees and and me and sean were just talking in the dms earlier today like there's one student in the latter half of the film who talks about like seeing nature films at the museum of natural history and i was like well that kind of throws you know going into this 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 idea that you know by the just very nature of of the film that like and it being a film and us watching it that, that nobody seeing this film hasn't experienced anything like, you know, the, the people that we're watching. Um, but, but some of these moments sort of complicate that notion a little bit in interesting ways.
7: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the blind and visually impaired and you have the small, the small children also doing that sort of visual memory exercise, um, Mm -hmm. with the fruit on the table, like the Mm -hmm. the plastic fruit or wooden fruit, um,
0: the seven images on the table. Look at them. Got them in your mind? Okay, close your eyes. Both of you. Close your eyes. Okay, now, why don't you look and tell me what's missing. Uh, there was a little peach, was <laughs> one. What peach
4: was missing. What was missing?
0: All right, the peach is missing. All
3: right, very good.
7: And, you know, there are, like with anything, there are different levels of you know what their disability might be and and just like everyone's together in the classroom and yeah you do get the the kid
6: who's like
4: but we're talking about things that you can do that don't cost you any money eddie what was your favorite
6: go down to the shopping center and look around all day
4: okay it doesn't cost you anything to browse (laughs) so that would be something you could do one day that wouldn't cost you
6: anything i spent three hours in the bookstore just looking at the different books they have mm-hmm.
0: Bookstores and are interesting. and i didn't get home to about
6: 11 o'clock at night because mm-hmm. I, I had to walk home it was about 10 when they closed It, was, it took me about an
2: hour to get home
5: well that was a, a long evening of entertainment
1: wasn't it?
2: <laughs> well badass yeah just a tangent that
1: has nothing to do with the question
7: yeah. And that's so, that's, that's just with the, as like you said, the first 40, 45 minutes before we, as an audience are really starting to think about their home lives. Yeah. And I don't know if you've moved on to death and I won't, um, get,
1: no, get, yeah. I won't
7: get deep into it, but like family life comes front and center in a very, very pivotal long huh. scene. Um, and that relationship, Versus this institutional relationship, um, mm-hmm. and you re- are reminded that these are children, um, and they their difficulties at home. Which you get a, you get a taste of mm-hmm. that one scene um, right. with the counselor, um, and the dad issues. Yeah, yeah and the fa- and the dad issues, and he's just so shut down, and he's just. I mean, this this could be any kid for sure. Uh, yeah just, that
2: that seemed to be the arguably the only moment in the film where there's no sort of visual indication that, that the student is blind and, you know, you, right. you can, you can forget the sort of broader context of the film. You know, he's not wearing sunglasses. He doesn't has a cane, doesn't have a cane or, or is walking around, you know, he seems to be looking at, at the, the social worker, or whoever's talking to him. And uh, like, like you said, you know, it, it, he's just a, a kid in that moment. And the beauty of it
1: is that they give him like that. He has a space to talk about this and maybe it gives you an idea of like, because this is like a boarding school that like um, that they do have like an outlet, hopefully like all of them have that outlet to be able to talk to somebody who actually cares about what they're saying about the the things that are, that they're struggling with.
7: Yeah. And I, I do think the, the nature of the institution and it being a school and a, in particular boarding school is is so interesting. And, and just reading about the school, like if you live nearby, you can go home and commute. Um, but, you know, it's drawing students from all over Alabama, which is a big state and it's far away. So a lot of people do board there. Um, another uh, book, I don't know if you guys came across, Cultural Locations of Disability. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You did? Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, that's super, like, that's a very interesting reading. And again, it makes more sense thinking through the series and thinking of, Right. Yeah. um, Thinking of uh, multi-handicap and adjustment and work. But the Foucauldian reading of power and institutionalization and comparing these students and calling them specifically inmates um <laughs> right, is, yeah. is, is it's intense but I, I do see like i think it's a very interesting reading and um and their their frame of reference is titicut follies and hospital and framing wiseman that way um and they're they're nothing but complimentary of wiseman but um mm-hmm. i i think it's and it was very interesting to read that because this is this is the film Blind, in particular, where everyone's like, "This one's just rip roaring fun." Yeah, yeah, Like this yeah. is so positive, and <laughs> exactly. and and it's because it contains both. Like it contains everything, and yeah. that's what Wise, Wiseman says frequently, where he's like, "No, my films aren't pure depression or you know purely positive, but this is this is one of the most sympathetic portraits of an institution, if not the mm-hmm. most, or at least blind." specifically yeah. the film right. that that right, he right, had right. up to this point. Um, and this is, so, you know, this is before Ex Libris, which I think is sort of the pinnacle of, mm. like, this is a good, like, this is mm-hmm. a, yeah. a yeah. cultural and world good. Like, we yeah. should all be happy about how good the library is. Uh,
1: yeah, I think we're going to get to that piece more in the, in the next few episodes, I'm yeah. sure. Because it seemed like the... The only part that that was really that like centric on blind was the stuff about the cane walking as like mm-hmm. a panoptic uh thing which was um interesting but i i think like it was hard for me to really put into context of like reading wiseman's film but
7: I don't know. Yeah. yeah and and i think the cane walking they're more specifically talking about is coming later okay or, cool or like the scenes they're talking about and people crossing the street and navigating mm-hmm. the world um, rather than staying in yeah. classrooms, I mean, it's it's like with anything. You got these kids, and you're seeing these kids, and it feels so amazing, and they're excelling at school, and they're, there's just like epiphany after epiphany after epiphany that they're all having, and it's so exciting to watch, um, which is you know really like movie magic seeing these things. Yeah. Um, but as they get older and move sort of closer to the school, sort of sh- shuttling them off into the world more um, complications
2: yeah.
1: so they don't get their like nails clipped and <laughs> before bedtime. <laughs> and <the rest. laughs> yeah I,
2: I i really appreciate you bringing this piece up and i pre- i appreciated their their chapter too for exactly the reason you're saying is like everyone is very effusive about like the the feel-good nature of blind and the triumphs of the, the students and everything and like that's all there. And I don't want to take anything, any of that away from the film or or people's engagement with it. But at the same time, you know, I was surprised, especially to read that from some long-term people who had been writing about Weissman for a while at this point, because I mean, this is Weissman, right? It's never that simple. It's always complicated. And, and, you know, the scenes people don't talk about certainly nearly as much as Jason's walk, are like these disciplinary scenes about dallas you know like this this problem child who's always disruptive
6: what do you think we're going to do about this kind of behavior how much longer do you think we can go on we've got your teacher mr Stovall, miss parker and myself and three or four half a dozen more folks that are just doing everything we know how to do to try to get you to behave When is the showbiz pizza trip?
3: Hello.
6: When?
0: Tomorrow.
6: And I believe they promised you that you could go if you would behave. Do you think you've behaved enough to get to go?
3: I don't know.
6: You don't know?
2: And all they can really think to do is lock him in a room or spank him, right? And they're like, "Why why is this kid acting up? We've tried everything, you know? And like that you know, the spanking, you know, you, we could go back and forth about, you know, is a different time and different perceptions and stuff. But like, I feel like when you're dealing with the student population or, you know, as, as, um, they put it in the piece, you know, the inmate population, Snyder and Mitchell, um, as it is to put a kid in a, in a room by themselves for a half an hour seems like, an especially cruel punishment, you know, with no stimulation of any kind, um, nothing to look at no books to read or anything you know i i was in detention a fair amount you know you at least had to do homework or something did you right? ever <laughs> did you ever have
1: to miss the showbiz pizza party yeah never hello? did yeah. you rattle your paper you <laughs> well, rattle your i mean papers? that's
2: that's another thing too right Is like the the rewards i mean they can't watch the animatronics you know like play the showbiz pizza songs i can't like play <laughs> like ski ball or something you know like like it it's this schema of of just the sighted world you know and the whole thing is about um like assimilation and you know if, if we're talking about institutionalization as we often do with weissman it's like it's, into, institutionalization into the world of the sighted you know adapting to our world you know not mm-hmm. really making any concessions I, I it was striking me you know like um and, and it, I don't know, I, I felt it, yeah. you know, especially and even in some of the instructions, you know, some of the writers noted this is a very, like, progressive school and lesson plan. But I was watching that one scene with the tightrope walk, right?
4: May I have the heart? please? All right. The first thing you have to do is realize that you can do it you can walk on the tightrope because you have your balance now hold your hearts out and your head up and use your feet and walk and walk you're walking let's walk this way you're walking pull it tight you're walking way up let get your foot on there feel it with your feet feel it good hold it up it's easier for him if you hold it up rico and feel it with your feet hold your head up high hold your head up high it with your feet. Good boy. Good boy. Good boy. Don't forget to hold your heart out. Hold your heart out. And walk. And walk. Way above the crowd. And then you're at the end now. Can you turn around? And jump toward me. Jump again. Yeah! You know, I make that mistake all the time. Sometimes I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl either.
2: And they're just doing it one at a time. They're only engaging one student at a time. Meanwhile, everyone else is just sitting on the floor with nothing to do. They can't watch, you know, their classmate (laughs) perform this act, right? And, like, so... I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a very, you know, noble school with, with like altruistic goals in mind, but like I can't help but feel that it was also lacking in, in a lot of ways as well, that, that people seem to uh, be blind to. <laughs> um,
1: Yeah, I, I agree about the Dallas scene not being written about. I was kind of like shocked because it's such a pivotal scene and it's also a prototypical Wiseman scene. You get to see admin, people who hold the power right and like they're deliberating and discussing and trying to decide how their institution is going to act in response to to one of the citizens that gets to pass through it it's like it's it's the book on wiseman right like this is the stuff that he's always looking for or this is always what like the movies are these are always the scenes that that are echoing throughout the movie yeah and, and, I mean, and sorry go ahead. oh and i was just gonna say um the, the fact that nobody talked about it is, is crazy. But, um, and, and even if you are talking about like, it's a different time, like maybe people just thought that that was like, whatever, but but even within that, you have sort of the old guard and the new guard having these mm-hmm. different, d- these different um, sensibilities and ways that they think are effective. And that is worth at least like discussing and, and
7: like trying to, to take apart. Yeah. I mean, you have, and you have Jim, who's like the, the cool counselor that we had met earlier, yeah. Um, in in the scene about the father, and he's just like, yeah, he, he's got a
6: spanking coming to him. You know, technically, we should he should have already gotten it earlier, but you were unavailable. Miss Parker was unavailable once he got to that point, so I didn't. He's he knows. He's, I talked to him. He knows he's got one coming to him. Uh, of course, he's calmed down now and everything. I you know. I was gonna talk to you Jan about how do you feel about spanking him in class you got yeah, it yeah
7: yeah and and the two men just being like spank telling I think her, her name was Jan I think that the teacher um just being like you really have to consider this like mm-hmm. you really really have to consider spanking and she's like it di- it didn't help yeah the last two years yeah. like why is it gonna what's gonna change now um which is totally reasonable but it is you know it's not great to have like well that
1: he was yeah and then they like they uh debate about whether he was worse before or not and it's just like what what are we talking about here like but yeah it's super super interesting scene
7: yeah and i mean the other the other scene where we get that which i I assume he's the principal maybe Mm -hmm. um yeah with one of the students and he's just like he's he's i think it is dallas right yeah,
1: the, yeah, when he's talking about the paper. Yeah, because that's yeah. when he's,
7: like, giving him all those, like, uh, leading questions and, like, pulls yes. him around. Yeah, and, and he pulls desk. him and puts his arm around him, and it's such a – it feels so threatening. Um or the language of that is so threatening, and then it sort of suggests also like he might have been the wrestling coach at some point who yeah, became he, yeah. principal. <laughs> um, I, that that scene where he pulls Dallas around to the side of the desk, where he asks
1: him to, and then rests his hand on his lower back.
6: Do you like Dallas? Do you like all this bad attention that you get? Mm-hmm. Do you see the other boys and girls in your class or in this school that just almost every day have a misbehavior-type incident where they have to be taken out of the classroom? Well, how much longer do you think we can go on with it? Not
0: long.
6: Well, why do you do it? I don't know. You really don't know why you do it? Do you think at the time it happens that you know what, what you're doing at that time? Do you, do you just sit in your desk and say, well, I'm going to start rattling this paper till Miss Roberts has to say something to me and I'll be in trouble? Or do you just do it and you're not conscious of it? What do you think? Do you know when you're doing it?
3: Yes.
6: Yeah. Do you think Mr. Stovall cares for you? Don't you like to come up to me in the afternoons when we're out on the playground and say, are you my friend, and I always tell you that I am your friend? Would you like me to say, Dallas, no, you're not my friend because you won't behave? Do you think whenever you're punished or when you're paddled or when you're excluded that people enjoy doing that? You think it won't hurt Mr. Dunaway tomorrow to say, no, Dallas, you can't go on the showbiz pizza trip because you weren't good? You think we want to deprive you? It's not us that deprive you, it's you. It's Dallas Robinson that deprives himself of those kinds of fun experiences.
1: Um, That is, uh, like, the one scene where I was like, in that I can think of throughout, like the Wiseman movies we've talked about so far, where I was just like, I'm curious if this plays out differently without a camera. In it might not, but the fact that like this guy is representing a school that is like known to be doing this like like progressive thing and helping students out, and uh, they're in such close quarters, and there's this camera here. Um, and it's not like juvenile court where there's just like such like heavy stuff going around and like everybody's talking you can forget the cameras there it's just like um it it might not change anything i'm not saying it affects the film in in a negative way but um it it just made me think like oh i wonder what the camera's presence did for this principle here
2: and it it's it's another expression too of like power difference uh from what we were talking about a little earlier about like students not not noticing the camera but the teachers and the admins can right and and uh the ways that those uh affect performance um but like that this scene we're talking about you know it's hard not to think of why school or (laughs) high school (laughs) and the scenes with the vice principal you know disciplinarian we get throughout Mm -hmm. the film and like I don't think there was anything in high school at Northeast as patronizing as, as we get in this scene, you know, like, like there's like a very marked like just kind of like talking down to there's, there's the inherent power and difference of administrator and student, but also of the sight and the, and the blind. And like, like just the, the level of communication, knowing from the scene that follows in the back of his head is like, this kid needs a good smack on the bottom. Right. Like, like it's just, uh, you know another another instance that and just like yeah go ahead
1: to your point arlen um we only see the principal with da- with dallas in, in him talking about dallas with the other teachers um and also he's dischar- talking about discharging william for breaking and entering so like
3: withdrawing
7: he keeps saying withdrawing
3: yeah yeah he's not expelling and, withdrawing <laughs>
1: uh, and like you know that Wiseman saw like captured him doing other things, but he only presents him as a disciplinarian, yeah. um, and that's not by mistake.
3: Yeah.
7: Do do we want to talk about the um, the opening? Which
2: oh yeah, we got it. Yeah. Which to me <laughs> to,
7: to <laughs> me is is one of the most kinetic and just wild openings in Wiseman's whole. Well, oh, well, it for, was the L eight. The LA Times review.
1: Is this what you're going to bring up, Arlen?
2: Probably not. What are you going to say?
1: The, 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 um, oh yeah. The LA Times review, Terry Atkinson talks about how the the film's first 10 minutes are going to test viewers because nothing happens. Oh, right, right. Yeah. He's Jesus just calibrating Christ. the, yeah. he's just
2: calibrating <laughs> the audience. <laughs> that Which was silly. No, what, what I was going to say is, is the direct line from Racetrack, the, the oh, previous yeah, yeah. film, right? Like, like. How satisfying is that to sort of just like, wait, what? I thought this was a film about blind kids, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like, and also to, you know, I don't know about you guys, but that's the only thing I know about Talladega before I watch this movie is right, that there's right. a, a NASCAR racetrack there, right? Like, so, so I think, I think for me, the scene is, is drawing that line, but it's also situating us, it's doing so much actually, situating us. <laughs> In the South, uh, in this milieu, um, it's the only time we get the students outside of the school, like, in just kind of the broader, you know, world. And, And even then, they're isolated, you know, they're relegated to this, like, inner patch of grass, you know, sort of by themselves. Uh, with the school bus and this one minister you know again going back to racetrack like why do we, do we keep seeing ministers at racetracks you know doing yeah, sermons yeah. like <laughs> um and then racetrack
1: ministries like why yeah, is that I, I, think, yeah, I, think right? I think that's it he's like here's here's the, he's yeah. from racetrack
7: ministries he's the guy <laughs> yeah, like Get ready and to then pray. like we have
2: <laughs> this milieu of like race fans you know some of whom are flying Confederate flags, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, writers know, you know, sort of the race blind aspect of yeah, the school, yeah. you know, but that's not the case here. And like, then just total disinterest in their playing, you know, Rocky, the theme from Rocky, you know, who who knows what kind of like, kind of jerky remarks they are making to each other, like while that was all going on, but just like, I think it really establishes, you know, the, the separation isolation and the, the way that like broader society sequesters uh, uh, disabled people um, and set this up for that to, to carry throughout this sort of utopic environment where they're more considered.
7: Yeah. I mean, and the, the perform, the, the performance itself, I mean, reminded me so specifically, I mean, even the first time I saw it, I was like, this is, there's a scene in Nashville with, Barbara, Barbara Harris, the mm-hmm. performer who sings the song at the end, where she's singing the national anthem or whatever at the racetrack and you can't hear it. It's just like revving, <laughs> revving, revving, revving. <laughs> and it was, you know, this was that again. Um, oh, yeah. and, and I thought that was super interesting. But I, I also just, like, Davey's camera work in all of this that ca- shot with the everything.
2: announcer with the amputee announcer you know
7: i thought he was ampu- amputated too but he's not he just had his arm behind his back really <laughs> For i rewatched it and like you see the shot before he's holding his clipboard uh oh. and, and i saw i think i saw somebody else mention that uh online and then so i was paying close attention to it when i re-watched it and i was like Oh no, but it's shot that way. Oh, and it is, yeah. It is, he,
2: he, he like swings the camera around. So it's, so it's starting from like a profile and then he right. swings it around to his front so that you could see the band in the background. Yes. And like it for a split second, it, it looks it like, looks, yeah, he's Yeah.
7: It totally does. And I totally understand that reading, but I'm, I'm interesting. You know, 97% sure we see him like two shots prior holding his clipboard like this. Um, but the you know the one of the first shots of the the kids they're in front of the school bus and you can sort of and like you can sort of read that it says Talladega Institute blind, yeah. of the Deaf and Blind um, and there's one point where it just is blind like it just says blind you can clearly yeah. see it it's <laughs> framed perfectly and that shot's incredible and then there are other shots there's one shot where Davy is clearly just like. Like the the cars are warming up or getting ready, he just goes right onto the track. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's sort of like the human, like yeah, I think someone called him the human tripod or whatever. That he like his, <laughs> his shots are can he can be so steady with his camera, yeah. but he's just like zooming in. Like it seems like his time on racetrack maybe. Uh,
2: yeah, there there were yeah, a yeah, couple interesting things excited. he's like establishing. It's I know I notice he's getting pr- pretty low to the ground relative. especially Uh, in the charlotte stuff well well and so in the racetrack though he starts there but yeah then as you know we meet these kids i think there's a very conscious effort to bring you know the perspective down to their level so we can you know further empathize with them and i mean you know jason i think is more of a, a practical thing you know he has to walk behind him and follow him uh so so he's not really able to kind of squat and and waddle behind him you know um which you know uh brought up as it often does in, in docs, um, primary, you know, the famous shop behind JFK. Um, and, and I also was like, you know, a uh, Sakharov eat his heart out for sure, Russian art. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did you, do you remember the, uh, I want to go back to the racetrack thing in a second, but, um, the, in Grant, I don't know where Grant pulled it from, but, um, that Wiseman told him that, there's a cut in that Jason in the hallway. Yeah. yeah, Because, yeah, yeah. because Davey, in the classroom
2: when they go back.
1: Yeah. The door, the, the doorway something. It was hard to understand from the, uh, the citation exactly what it was. He's, but he's going he through said the doorway like he jerks or something. And he jerks. Yeah. yeah. There's something about like, it was hard for him to navigate uh, that going through the hall ho- or going through the doorway. Yeah. Again. yeah. My
7: initial reading of that when I saw it on the plane, <laughs> uh whenever that was 2013 or 14 uh was oh he had to, they had to reload the magazine like uh, uh, yeah thought, that could be teen, i yeah. thought that's what it was but i mean yeah. Davy did say he just needed to like reframe and didn't want to show the but camera but it does it around.
2: does start like a little further down the hall than i think yeah, just yeah. A, a cut you know to kind of re reposition would have Um, but yeah. Okay. So, so going back to the racetrack though, like, so there's the, there's the perspective that's being established and there's also, you know, the same thing Weissman said about why he shot the store in color. He was also saying about blind, Mm -hmm. right? He's like, he wanted to show the, the colors in the world that were, you know, denied to the students. Um, and I think, you know, this racetrack sequence is largely doing that, Uh, in similar ways, you know, there, there's a scene with the beauty queens, right? And like, like one goes by Miss, uh, Miss Winston racetrack or something is her, is her official title. Um, and then, you know, her face completely fills Davy's frame. It's like super close up as she comes into it. And like, you know, beauty is subjective, but like the beauty, (laughs) right? That's like, is just not, Uh, uh, witnessable to the students right right? right. you know so so like setting an an opposition I guess Um, and and it's also I mean just necessarily like the most like visually interesting setting we have because of the school right the nature of like a school
1: we get the uh, big shot of the of like the philip 76 like uh, sign and you hear those people say it's too orange (laughs) (laughs) Um, but there grant talks about the that stuff like you're talking about uh in relationship to the american dream but um uh and all this stuff that they can't do like they can't drive like the the american dream of like having a car and that's like why all these people are here to watch people drive cars and they can't watch or they will never be able to drive a car um let alone watch this but um and also he has that great line about like um uh you know they're playing the Rocky theme, and that is like this victorious moment where they're just like um running up the stairs, and or yeah. he's running up the stairs, and and something that like that it is not the same level of achievability for them, um, right. But uh, I also love that it's just pageantry, like Wiseman loves opening or closing with pageantry, um, and you get all of that here, but again, like it has a different meaning with like these models that they can't see or like um, they, they can't really take part in this um, or the Confederate flag that they can't see for better
7: or worse. Um, the one sided Confederate flag <laughs> or like I
3: saw. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like yeah. so cheap. It's like <laughs> oh,
7: shit. racist. And cheap. Um,
1: but, but I, I love um, immediately took to the, like the, one of the very first shot or the, the shot of the school bus and this kid, it's like the second kid coming off and he's like feeling the bus and immediately made me think of like the, um, the blind men and the elephant parable. And this idea that like um, you as a viewer, uh, like you're going to get something out of this, like everybody's going to be able to get something out of this, like that they want. And it, and it can be singular to you. Um, which is, you know, I I think that there are many times throughout Westman's films where he's trying to teach us, how to watch his films or, um, just commenting on the film itself in, in that sort of like grander way of, of how to read it. Um, like I think of like a, a shot in Belfast, Maine, where, uh, towards the end and you get this paint painter and he's like painting this huge painting in like his big, uh, garage or whatever. And then you just kind of slowly are getting in on these like small brushes. Um, which is exactly what he's doing throughout this like four hour movie is just like showing you these little tiny parts of this broader scheme. Um, so that I, I, I found that really moving to just be like one of the first things you see coming out.
7: Yeah. And going back to what Arlen was saying about the color, I mean, the the first classroom scene we see is mm. a, a group of
2: students. That song goes being so us, hard. Being,
7: a color and doing like sit up sit stand up sit down stand up sit down and uh I was yeah. trying
1: to find out what the use what's the practical use of that then mm. learning that the
2: you know math. that was another instance of kind of what i was talking about you know of like this cited schema for education right mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like you know red green are are colors and but they could be anything you could say like elephant sit up right like zebra sit down right like it doesn't it seems weird for it to be colors and like there's even one student who seems to like be pretty woeful at at his stand-up sit-down responsibilities and there's like a teacher behind him just kind of guiding him by his belt loop you know Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah what what's the point you know
1: it's like, oh, I learned that one thing that I was holding was whatever color they told that me. that I can't
7: right. see and have no conception of. You it know, wasn't like, saying green is like the grass or something like that. It was just like we all like yeah. colors. Stand up, green. Sit down, yellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's just like remember what color you are. Um, right. Um, but w- and another thing about the opening beyond like the first words we sort of get spoken or any real dialogue is again, as you talked about the, the, uh, racetrack, uh, yes. minister. Um, and so it's, it's bookended with, with prayer. It's bookend like the, mm, the last yeah. scene of the movie right, is right, prayer, yeah. like going, we're all going to bed prayer. And so this is again, Wiseman doing his, getting his Christianity in there. Cause it is full, full hog. What's going on in, alabama at this time and and also just so much those first 10 minutes um the sensory overload and just the imagining yourself trying to navigate yeah such a space with all the sounds all of the fast-moving people all the fast-moving cars and and it immediately retrains your senses Hmm. to be like Because even just the title comes up blind. You're thinking of that. What is it to be blind? What is that? And then you're just like, it's just like blasting loud car engines, music. And then, so this goes on for 10 minutes, as you said. There's like, as the LA Times guy said, like the worst, they're just
3: pointless. (laughs) Nothing happens. Nothing happens. But, and then
7: after the 10 minutes, you get your typical Wiseman opening. Like you get Uh your, okay, here's the town. And here's and even that's a little long. It's like two and a half minutes, Mm -hmm. but it's also like, look at this city planning with this big (laughs) wide street and this center turning lane, and it's just for cars. It's not for people. Nobody cross the street. Don't walk. That's a church. Yeah, it's like yeah. There's that. There's like all the gas stations, and then there's sirens. There's train going by. Like there's just you're so aware of the cacophony and also just the... the dip, it's not navigable um, yeah, for any for pedestrian
1: sure. at all. For sure. Well, to, co- to go to what you're saying about the, the racetrack being like the sensory overload, I didn't notice it until the second time I watched it, but the, like, Voice of God guy, guy like, commentator guy, he's like...
2: TRW evermore becoming more visible in the racing circles of the world and Winston NASCAR racing...
1: That. and i didn't catch it the first time because there's just so much going on yeah. but that's like one of the first things you hear is it's like ever becoming more visible and it's like
7: oh yeah okay i get it in the language of all the instructors too where it's just like yeah. see watch like mm-hmm. you just become so conscious of how it's in our vocabulary and like our yeah. rhetoric as or the rhetoric of the instructors that's just like oh do you see and then you know, even like the, the kids are using it. Oh, can yeah, you see? Yeah. Can you see?
1: I'm going to go watch them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah watch see me. Watch later. this. Watch yeah, this. Yeah. 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 And and one of the first things we see is like the playground, which is mm-hmm. cool. You get to see this kid like walk into a brick corner. And Chris, uh, totally, yeah. we love Chris. <laughs> yep. And he goes, I'm going to go watch.
2: You. Okay. Let's
4: go watch. <laughs> just kind of like watch.
1: Like walks over. Yeah, well, just, that,
2: that's another, another way that he's, he's training us, I think, how to see, because like you, in any instance, you see a kid standing by himself facing a brick corner and you're like, oh, he's like in trouble or like he's depressed or something. Right. Um, but we have to sort of do away with all those preconceptions, you know, the same, I got how many times, like in high school, I was reprimanded for having my head down on a desk, you know, but as Jason's reading Braille, just like face, flat on the desk, you know, it's like, you know, this is is a different, uh, thing, you know, your, your your preconceptions don't apply here the same way they would. And, you know, the Chris scene too, like gives us another walking sort of preamble to Jason and, and Charlotte, (laughs) you know, like, like, so the, um, the thing that's really interesting again, you know, this is Davey going kid height level um but like the way that there's like this inherent kind of cinematic drama to it like like especially with jason it's like the the uh hitchcock Truffaut idea of like the bomb under the table right like like we can see the stairs coming up Uh, jason can't like oh my god you know what's gonna happen right um so like like yeah it's just very like like interesting cinematically and the way repetition operates too like by the time charlotte's cane training scene is ending she's going back to the classroom down the same hallway that jason starts in and we uh begin to predict the doors in the classrooms along the way that she's going to encounter because we've seen them before and we can uh sort of get a sense of like the, the training and the learning that the students are experiencing, right? Through like constant repetition.
7: I mean, the, the body language thing is, yeah, what you said, th- that's what elevates this movie for me, like in so, uh, in so many ways, is that, yeah, you have to retrain your preconceptions of people's like faces. Um, and you'll see with deaf, it's sort of the the inverse where it's, Very exaggerated um, expressions, Um, and in here the expressions are just—you know—they're not learned in this in the same way. Um, And yeah, and like you said, putting your head down on your desk, like everyone (laughs) in this film is doing that, and it's—and it's just like, well, that means they're really concentrating and doing a good job reading their braille. Like, of
1: course. One—one of the things I really like on that the Charlotte Walk is. The cane walk is when. Oh,
0: there's something in our path, isn't there? A thing. Let's stand the cane up right against it, and then you can slide your hand right down the cane and find out right where it is, and tell me what that is. A chair. A chair. What's that made out of? Wood. That's right. It's a thing. And okay, now we have to let our cane find us a way around the path, find a clear path for us to
4: walk on.
1: It's one of those moments where you're just like you're, you're watching it and you're like, well, of course it's made out of wood, but you can see that. And it's like, okay, what does it look, what, what does it feel like? What does wood feel like? Would I know that it's wood maybe, but like, what does wood mean to this student?
3: Like, mm, yeah.
1: um, it, it, it just like continually is asking you to, um, to, I, I, Grant talks about this a lot, like transcending, he talks about it in terms of like transcendence, but trying to like put yourself in, in the shoes of these people, um, is just like, not, not in any sort of like, um, try to walk a mile in my shoes type thing, but just as a sensory, uh, experience, trying to figure out what it's like for them, that Wiseman gives us this space to be able to do that is,
7: um, just a really great thing. I mean, the one other thing I definitely wanted to touch on was, um, one at the end, the sort of recreation, chunk oh yeah like we get the wrestling all the boys are wrestling football all the girls are on the trampoline yeah boys are playing football and um and then ultimately the dance which is so much fun or it's a you know halloween dance so it makes it all the more fun um but yeah and and all of that sort of the way the film brings us in tonight is really interesting because we don't see the dorms we don't hang out in the dorms the students talk about the dorms um but just finally getting a a little a little glimpse of that is super interesting, and one of the things that again attracts me specifically to this film is like this is the first Wiseman that was shot when I was alive
1: mm. um, and, same
7: actually and and just uh being in that like it's like, oh, I recognize this environment like they're in the dorms and there are return of the Jedi sheets. And it's like my brother and I had those sheets those exact sheets you know for years after the fact and and it's just like oh yeah this and it's just conjuring that specific time and then you know it's fun just going forward to be like this is familiar to me because it seems so so distant
1: That's interesting because yeah so we must be the same age or about but um the way that the the woman the like older woman who puts them to bed like she looks like a grandma, but not only that, she looks like my grandma because she's wearing the same clothes. My grandma wore, I mean, the you know, perm. The, it's the everyone's same, got the perm. Yeah. So it's the same time period. It's the same like period style, um, uh, which is just like fascinating to think about. But uh it's, it's great to just watch someone do that caring thing of put them to bed. And yes, she's like, you're reminded again of how much religion is part of this place. Um, But like, then she like clips his toenails, um, <laughs> which is great. But, but then, yeah, like uh, we go outdoors again and uh, which, you know, the first 10 minutes after the racetrack was like all outdoors and then we go back out there. But this time it's like dark. And I think Grant talks about this, but like you're like reminded, like how much you rely on light and all of a sudden you don't have it. And then you're, you're going to like the drive through and the gas station and stuff. And it's just like, it, it's it's like as sentimental as Wiseman gets I think but it's like so subtle and lovely.
2: The the um dance scene is interesting well first just cuz um Jan on it Jam on it by Nucleus is a classic song. <laughs> um, but the there's a montage within there uh where Wiseman is showing us all the Halloween decorations yeah. and oh, my he, yeah. he shows us the there's like an arcade game in there too like space invaders Mm -hmm. or something and then he he goes back to the students as if to say like why you know what what, why all this for these kids who can't enjoy (laughs) any of it right like um but like the i think you know this the scene aside from jason and charlotte that's like or the the part in this scene that's like just so rewarding is is there's this like really tender moment between two students I don't think we had seen before um, where where uh, a girl sitting in a chair and a guy kind of comes up to her and just kind of like comforts her like two blind yeah, students yeah, yeah. and that like you're not really sure what's going on there but the final shot of this sequence is like them dancing together you know just mm-hmm. looking like they're having a really good time
7: <laughs> yeah touch is so important. To yeah. this movie, also we we're talking about the body language and touching between the students is is a greeting, like you must sort of touch. And we're not talking about like the the principal guy putting his arm around and a threatening felt red is clearly threatening, but like the yeah. students with the, with one another, um, you know, they're touching and touching and touching, and it like I almost get the sense that that's something that is that they might be trained to not do as much but it's like Mm. a party so it's okay yeah um yeah
1: yeah, it's a fascinating fascinating moment of just documentary like filmmaking because yeah like you're saying like we're trained to be like oh she's like going away but it's like maybe that's just being shy for her like it's you can't really you can't really put words in in their mouth um just
2: trying to figure it out. And and going back to the idea of, you know, like, noticing the camera, too, this seems like a very kind of pure, like, caught fly on the wall, you know, quote-unquote mm-hmm. moment, right? Where it's just, like, very... Uh, there's there's no artifice to it. It seems, like, very, like, real and tender. Yeah. The, the, the thing I'd like to touch on, too, with the closing sequence and bringing us into night... Um, is kind of what you were saying about Weissman asking us to reflect on, you know, how how much we all depend on light and how we navigate the world. And I think, you know, a big thing that Weissman might be asking us to do here is consider the way the world is constructed through asking us to, look. you know, the whole film is about how the blind students navigate the world that we have made, you know, for ourselves um, without them in mind. And the way that if you zoom out on a macro level and apply this same sort of analysis to everything, the way in which the world has been kind of constructed without humans in mind, you know, like you were saying about the this this kind of opening sequence after the racetrack where we're just seeing the town and it's like, you know, a highway off ramp you know hell of like just gas stations and fast food and like you know multi lane traffic that nobody can navigate right uh yet we we figure it out we're like trained uh to navigate this existence you know as best we can, even if it's like inherently constructed and unnatural and I think the brilliance of the film for me is really you know asking us to recognize the artificiality and construction and like. You know, how how can uh, our engagement with this world reshape the way that it is and this kind of continuing dialectic between the world as we make it and how we move through it and, you know, the dialogue back and forth and how that changes one another. Am I, am I making, making any sense? Am I...
7: You absolutely.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't I mean that's a lot to chew on, but I don't I don't necessarily have like a <laughs> <laughs> Well,
2: I just, you know, it's like there Charlotte's walking around the hallway and like why isn't there a water fountain that makes a sound, you know, that oh, she would know, okay. you know, like like why um, uh, the, that she doesn't have to just remember where it is, you know, and kind of feel right. her way but through, you why know. Why aren't there like...
7: low ones everywhere? There should be right? Yeah. low yeah. ones. Yeah. Why do you have to go upstairs to get a low water fountain when it's a school?
1: But part of it is, like, um, part of it is, I mean, the whole institution seems to be, at least this part of it, from this film, is, like, fostering independence, and, and a lot of that is uh, expectations of the outside world, and a lot of and and which would be like you know not catered towards people who yeah.
3: people
2: who are blind, um but two too though it's it's interesting because, yeah, that's true, but what's also true is like once they leave, they're kind of starting at square one again because the whole method of navigation right, right. is dependent yeah. on like repetition <laughs> and memory, it's pretty changing. much yeah, you yeah, know, right. like so like once you leave the walls of the school that you know you're back in a completely unfamiliar setting and you have to like relearn it. Um, and, yeah, and I yeah. guess that kind of speaks towards, you know, we got that conversation in the end about maybe some, uh, further integration between, you know, the, the blind students and like a, a public, a local public school, um, of, of sighted students. And like, you know, maybe, uh, the, the, not just isolating these kids, not just only teaching them and and having them prepare themselves you know for the broader world in other ways is something that they seem to be working towards but haven't really figured out yet and and I'll say the the only film in the series that I'd seen before we got to blind is adjustment and work and like which is very much about like textile labor and like just kind of being on the assembly line in a sense. And, you know, you think about the scene with like the yarn boards, right. Where they're like, you know, you don't really know what kind of practical purpose it serves because they can't see the designs they're making or the colors of the Mm -hmm. yarn they're using, but they're just kind of training their dexterity to like move these needles through these boards Mm -hmm. repeatedly and like you you know maybe it it's cheating a bit to to skip around but like i couldn't help but think like they're just training them for assembly line work you know essentially like that's what their lives are going to be because that's what they're guiding them towards and you, and i also think too like there's so much um of the curriculum that's about being blind and like navigating your sightlessness uh, that like is we in regular um, public education, you know you just don't have to deal with that you know you spend that time on art or you spend that time you know on history or whatever and like we get some of that, but you you begin to wonder like are there parts of their education that are lacking because they do have to focus such a to such a degree on like the being blind aspect of things.
7: Yeah, there were sometimes during the sort of montage of uh, training your body and, you know, training your coordination and the cooking and the cleaning a table, like all that sort of montage where I, I was, uh, I was like, yeah, junior high, we did, you know, I took cooking and sewing and like mm-hmm. those were very useful. And frankly, I wish there was more of that and cited school Um Because it is very helpful to know how to do do those things um, and deal with money, like the scene with the the boy with the amazing voice counting his money. $9, $10, $11,
3: oh wait,
5: hold on, hold on, what are you looking for?
3: Looking
5: Looking for what you call a $10 bill, we do not succeed, yeah we do, 20 There you go. No, I no, done something wrong. Fabulous, Charles. Fabulous. At least I caught myself in time enough. That's right. The next one is. Let's see if I can read it over here. says 7, no, 9, 33. 34. 35. got some dimes in here that I need to get to. Excuse me there. And what did I
7: say, 35? Like that sort of. I, I wish in school there was more attention paid to that every day. But Arlen, you were, I mean, obviously you're dead on where you are. What you're talking about is just working. You're just ready to transition to the next three films. Like you are, you are following the threads. I, I'm,
1: I'm not quite there yeah. yet. Like I, Maybe, I'll, yeah. Cause I'm still kind of like, um, I'm not like, oh my God, the, everything here is great. But like, we do see a lot of like, I, I think Wiseman is like paying attention to uh, the fact that we see like various like art forms get, get to be practiced. And they are talking about like how their like tax dollars are for like used for civic spaces and, and like the free places that you're able to go like library museums and the why and, and going to outdoor music. And um, uh, there's also like, just Charlotte's like lesson I found moving just because of how she was really controlling that lesson um the 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 teacher was open to wherever she wanted to go and she wasn't trying to like we're doing this we're doing this i mean there are a couple times where she was trying to not let her get distracted by stuff but she's just like oh you want a drink all right we'll go we'll go over there what's that let's go figure that out and like that type of learning that is that is definitely happening in this school in spaces is like really cool to see Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, she's just asking Charlotte question after question after question. You know, in a in a way that is very helpful. I think I thought
1: and like, beautiful. yeah, and and that like art, dance, music teacher thing was like where she's just like draping that cloth over them, yeah, and she's yeah. like,
4: "I want you to think about feeling the air around you, and I want you to think about being, pleased. I want you to think about pleasant things and I want you to let the music go all inside of you and fill you up. I want do it. Oh, I feel that. Think about how much you can feel Think about how strong you are. Think about how good it feels after you've had a hot bath.
1: It's very kind of like new agey, but like also she's like trying to instill them with like powerful thoughts or like self, uh, value. Yeah, your, your body and
2: then, is strong. you
1: know. Yeah. And then there's, there's when there's that discussion with the high schoolers, which like, I yeah. hope we get to see more of that. And I'm guessing we do, but, um, uh, we get a lot of it in high school too, but um, where the teacher is just like holding this classroom and, and like just holding this discussion. And they're talking about like, how would you raise a kid? And the children are really, are, are really pushing that conversation forward. And, and she's just kind of like provoking their responses and, and asking them open-ended questions. Um, and I mean, the stuff about America is yeah, I was gonna is, it's, What did, it's what
2: did you ridiculous. guys make about, you know, the right before that, you know, the, another kid with a great voice oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. america land of the free home of the brave
3: <laughs>
1: well he's definitely putting it on right i don't i don't, I don't know, know. I, I don't think, think I so i didn't get
3: that sense. i didn't
1: yes. i didn't think so the first time but someone, the second time someone he's wrote like saying that, yeah. he he's like cracking smiles uh after some of like the more like egregious like uh, pronunciations and so I, I think he might have been I mean I, that might just be his personality yeah. to like do that. that's just Alfonso but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
7: uh, but god that, that's amazing just to listen to yeah and this it really was just I mean it's it's obvious but like those speeches they weren't about america they were about the soviet union living rent free in everybody's head <laughs> yeah and just like i mean they were this is this every, is reagan america. cold war right this is yeah, the like, heart yeah. of it and this is what they're learning and this is i mean this is you know going back to rocky like this is you mm-hmm. know this is what they're teaching <laughs> in at the cinema and they're teaching in school um and and it's just like america is america because soviet union This is
1: the Soviet Union, which makes like the, the, the bad, the like bad band performance of that song, like really like poignant. Like it works. Like
2: what also too, I mean, the line within there, he says something, I think like in the Soviet Union, like the government controls the schools and I'm like, like, what do you think's going
3: on? Where where
7: are you right now? Absolutely (laughs) what's going on.
2: And
7: it's like, you You can choose, you can choose your religion. You know, yeah. and it's like, okay, good night. Pray to God. <laughs> Pray to our God. Pray to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Racetrack yeah. Ministries. Here we come. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, are there are there other things that um, that you want to touch on, um, uh, Jeff, that we haven't
7: yet? I mean, there's more broadly. I, I want to touch on um, sort of Berkeley Art Museum Pacific Film Archives history with Wiseman a little bit, and oh, just thinking about um what i what i think has been referred to is the sort of this fallow period that we're in oh yeah and yeah. sort of like okay so what happened i mean you guys have talked about it with like primate and sort of like okay what happened after primate that people just got turned off and stopped you know writing as much about wise men or being interested and and, and it just it's fully reflected in the history of Screenings at Band PFA. and like I'm I'm currently huh. wor- I'm currently working on a project with some work study people to um, work study students to um, transcribe and digitize our 1970s programming. Um, and you know, 1971, it's like Titicut Folly shows like f- three or four times in a row, like all in the same month. It's showing regularly. Like a scene comes out, it's showing law and order, showing high school, showing all through the 70s. We're we're getting that like welfare in 74 with Wiseman in person. Um, And then welfare is shown again in 1976. And it's it's like in the big venue. It's in like a 600 seater. And just thinking of that is amazing. Um, And we sort of get through 1976 and then into 77. There's a screening of Titicut Follies. And then there's nothing through the eighties. Like there's 15 years of basically no Wiseman until 1993 when zoo gets shown. Crazy. Wow. Um, And then Titica Follies and a high school show a couple more times. And then public housing shows when that's new. Um, so it's sort of trickling back. And then in, uh, 2003 there was a big not not complete but pretty extensive retrospective um that he, that he came for i think around the um the moma the, uh, uh this is well the before moma the moma i think um but this is uh around the release of the last letter um uh, right so
1: you know after the domestic violence film
7: yes so there's this big 2003 retrospective that's very extensive and amazing um, and then from there on, it's like, yeah, 2005, 2008, there's more. And then La Danse, you know, which was a, you know, that was the first one I saw in the theater. Um, that was sort of a big wide release as far as Wiseman's is concerned. Um, and that showed when it was new. And then obviously there are a zillion shows of at Berkeley. <laughs> um, yeah. Which makes sense. Um, um, were you
3: there during
7: that? I wasn't. I wasn't there, um, but one thing I know at some point in your conversations, you guys were talking about will subjects of Wiseman's films, like how do they feel about them? Are they coming back? And I can tell you that when we had Wiseman here in 2018 and he was giving his lecture, um, Robert Bergenau, who was the chancellor at the time of mm. at Berkeley and is the main character, like the main character yeah. of Matt Berkley. Yeah. He, he was there. He came and he was friendly oh, wow. with Fred and like they, <laughs> they had a nice chat and like he was, he was jazzed to have him there. So um, that is a subject that. Um, yeah. I think, I think
1: well, I can't remember if he said it on the show, I think probably, but Peter Labuze was talking about how he nominated him for like a, uh, an acting award. <laughs> <laughs> that year. Or, you know, uh what is it? Supporting actor, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. And
7: then I was I was just gonna just to like wrap up this little portion and then, you know, when I start and then basically the great thing is all three of our film curators, and they're amazing, uh Kathy Garretts, Susan be, and Kate Mackay, um, they all come to cinema differently. They have lots of overlaps, but they have very different feelings. But Wise Wiseman, they've all booked Wiseman. They've all done Wiseman in their series. Um, so it's, it's great that he's, he's a real unifier among um, their distinct uh, you know, abilities and, right. and skills. Um, but one thing that was amazing not long after I started at PFA, was we were showing Ex Libris. And there were two shows in 2018 um, in February. One, Super Bowl Sunday. To Valentine's Day, <laughs> and this being Berkeley, Super Bowl Sunday was very close to sold out, and it was like exactly that's when awesome. the game was, and it was that's like so almost sold out, packed, and Valentine's Day was totally sold out. Um, so that's that is a date movie for our our, our nice people in Berkeley. And then yeah, when we when we had him later in the year, it was amazing, and you know, seeing Belfast on sixteen millimeter was. Oh, nuts. Um, but, you know, thinking of that fallow period and where this, where blind falls into it, and it's just sort of, you know, I, I think sort of almost after Primate, the films became, they're, they're, heart, they're less marketing fodder or something. Like they don't have the pronounced institutional misery mm. of welfare. And I think people are just like, oh, it's more of the same, but it's not political in the same like in quotes political sense um,
2: interesting
7: and well that it, it's funny because
1: um Mamber talked to us on the high school episode about like how he saw these this series at the la film festival and there were like 10 people total over two days like 10 people at both of the showings and it was he he had just gotten like the macarthur grant um, a couple of years prior and was like in, you know, known as like the best working documentarian and like all of the, all of the write-ups and just like, he was like in this annex that nobody showed up. To. <laughs>
7: yeah. And, and I know you guys were talking about the sight and sound list and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I looked back at the previous ones, like 2002, there was one mention of Titicutt Follies, period. One person mentioned. But one thing that I do want to mention, which is even before the uh, canopy drop, was mm-hmm. the uh, 2014 documentary poll that was documentary specific, oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. which oh god, <laughs> which is wild. But um, you know, you think of how how you guys were talking about how Wiseman would places on these things, and and how specifically at a disadvantage he is because of how many movies he's made. Like that inherently Mm -hmm. puts you at a disadvantage. But, you know, they do do the thing where they're like, well, how, like counting everyone as a filmmaker, where do they stand? And in this documentary poll in 2014, the filmmakers, the documentary filmmakers, he was number one. Oh, wow. As voted by the filmmakers. Like he was like in every, like there was a Wiseman mention in, all the filmmakers list. And I think he was like eight in the critics list. Um, Okay. But it's just, it's just interesting to think about like the, Mm -hmm. the ebbs and flows of how he gets into people's consciousness and what it is that gets into people's consciousness about his work.
2: I wonder too, if like this period you're talking about with just he, where he wasn't programmed at the PFA, if like something I noticed, really pronounced in this group of contemporaneous reviews and even uh weisman talking about himself to some extent was like a further situating of his work as television versus film right and like like that really seems to happen you know obviously there are mentions of of the wnet broadcasts like throughout the early period um but i think there's more engagement like as as a filmmaker, you know, like Pauline kale reviewed high school. And, um, but like, it, it seems to be as we get post primate and into this era, like he's really more on the, the, the TV beat of writers, um, which I wonder if maybe just like programmers at the time are like, you know, if you want to watch Weissman, catch him on PBS, you know, he's a TV guy. Uh, he's not, yeah. So like, like, I think that's an interesting thing that, that shifts, right? Cause Today, I think we, we think of you know his PBS uh, broadcast as like, relatively incidental to like the, the festival runs and the theatrical. Uh, right. Yeah,
7: for sure. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, you look at, even state legislature, you look at it, and you're like, okay, let's look, look at the New York Times review of state legislature, and it's a television review. It's like, that's the first review. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think, yeah, around that zone where I, got into him and then it was like oh there's a i mean i might just have been more conscious of it but it seemed like there was more of a theatrical life um for the films and especially just being afforded the opportunity to see them in the theater like living in the bay area um and just they always came to one of the theaters it might be a little harder now when the theater is all going away yeah, when i first talked, talked to him theaters.
1: i I've mentioned i i kind of talked a little bit about this but less in depth, but um. About like whether the people, the critics and curators uh, that really like liked him, championed him, just like were, we're kind of existing around the same time, like the the um, Kent Jones and uh, um, Eric Hines types. After um, that, really just kind of like brought him into uh, broader consciousness and uh, just playing more regularly in like coastal cities. Um, and also festivals, big festivals abroad. But.
2: And I mean, too, I think there's the, you're, you know, I don't even know how many guests who's talked about video stores, you know, uh, and, and the idea of like, I guess kind of the video store generation, like discovering Weissman and then going about like propagating spreading the gospel too, I think, you know, is like, which, you know, largely, uh, recalling, you know, the story going way back with Eric and Odd Obsession, you know, they had to, like, remove the films it's, uh, because yeah. they, they weren't supposed to have them. It's, like, largely a clandestine or, or bootleg sort of operation, you know, but the way, you know, quote, same way as, like, quote, unquote, the internet has functioned in uh, uh, spreading the good word of Weissman is, like, you know, the uh, technology has played a role i think in in framing his work and and um the the way people engage with it as well
1: and it was in i'm sure i'm sure the subversive art book also like just talking about did it got follies um
2: yeah i just i just got that framed his work yeah the the amos
1: i'm sure if i'm sure yeah. yeah, I'm sure it framed, framed uh, his work in a very specific way for a lot of people in terms of expectations. That is, you know, you wouldn't expect blind.
2: <laughs> true, right, yeah.
7: Yeah, I mean, and it's true. I mean, all, a lot of the writing you see around blind are, specifically are sort of like, I don't know what to do with this because it's not like, it's not making me as mad. <laughs> like yeah. the critics are like, if it doesn't make me as mad, what is the point of a documentary? Like, I think they're still yeah. having trouble with the form. In the 80s. I was
1: saying, um, online this week that, I, that I think that I would like to, or that, that I would more regularly suggest this to people as like a first watch or an early Wiseman watch, because it does kind of get, get you out of that headspace of like expecting, um, the, uh, expose of the work. And when you're not expecting that, like you, or, or when you kind of just know that he can work in different ways, you stop going. Okay, so what am I supposed to think of this place now? Or like, mm-hmm. let me let me be skeptical going in and see what kind of shit they're they're doing here. And it just kind of broadens that that expectation base, which I think is is just good for understanding
7: what he's doing more largely. Yeah, I remember when he was when he appeared in person. He was doing Q and A he had, he was asked a question about sort of like, okay, you're showing these institutions. And so it's like, what's wrong with these institutions and how are you present? And he was just like, he, he hates the idea that, that someone oh, is sure. thinking about him as just like, Oh, you're just a skeptic, you know, like trying to raise everyone's hackles kind of like, Oh, this is not good. And, uh, yeah. And he was very quick to shut that down. He was, like, <laughs> you know, and it was for easy sure. for him to point to ex libris and be like, what is that?
3: Like, yeah.
7: everything's complicated <laughs> yeah yeah
1: interesting well jeff um <laughs> this has been a this has been great this is um just been a lovely discussion um very happy that Super you uh, made time for us
7: yeah thank thanks for having me and uh, it was great to talk about wiseman with people who are yeah. as engaged
1: I'm sure the the okay. Waldo piece will live on I hope in so. Wiseman Podcast. Uh, <laughs> lexicon vernacular right here. Yeah. yeah,
7: for better or worse, here we are.
2: Right, well, man. thanks
1: again um, and uh, we will see you all later.
3: Yeah.
5: I got no more cause I'm down by law. when it comes to rock. sleep, you see, cause of when I was a little baby boy, my mama gave me a brand new toy, two turntables with a mic, and I learned to rock like a mic. time went by on this God creek, I knew someday I would rock the nation, so I made up my mind just what to do,
7: and I jumped with the jam on production proof, so go crazy, so go crazy, let your body be lazy, I said don't stop, oh, your body rock
5: till your eyesight stops to get hazy. Open out your ears and you open your eyes If you wanna hear the music just come alive